on this episode of the Star Wars Time Show! Matt and Nick have moved to Wednesdays to break down the final season of The Bad Batch, which starts today with a deep dive breakdown of the first three episodes. What really mattered? Cool Easter eggs and references, and where things may be going, all will be covered for Season 3's epic debut. When the dudes are done batching, they'll touch on the potential future of Asajj Ventress, as well as the new rumored Mandalorian game from Respawn, the creators of Cal Milk Toast Kestis. Of course, the show will end with the question of the week responses and the latest round of top high Star Wars fan artist features. Punch-a-chewy? Everybody but Nick. Welcome back to the Star Wars Time Show. Matt here to kick things off while we wait for my Chewbacca. All right. If he's got a few dingleberries in his hair, he's got to get them cut out. Now, Nick's got, you know, he's got some meeting stuff to wrap up. I guess they called him in late, unplanned. So he, uh, He's wrapping up a meeting, but don't worry, he'll be here to help me break down that Bad Batch Season 3 triple episode premiere, Woo Freaking Who. All right, who we got up here in the live stream? Don't forget, if you want to join the live stream, we have moved to Wednesdays, 5 p. East, youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show. All right, we got Johnny Osage in here, Nova, Bat. And of course, J.O.D. Welcome everyone to the new day, new show, same stupidity. Okay. Uh, I was really hoping Nick would have been here, but he'll get here. He'll get here at some point. Some point, right? He'll get here at some point. Anyways, yeah, you're right. Bat's bringing it up. Might as well get to it while we wait for young Nick here. I'm not going to waste anybody's time. We'll get through the pop culture talk. That way when Nick gets here, we can get right into some Star Wars so as Bat is proclaiming here in the live stream, saying Madam Web wasn't that terrible, some bad visual choices at the end, but um, yeah, I don't know, Bat, that movie's pretty, pretty rough. Uh, I'll tell you, my, my seven and a half year old little lady, she quite enjoyed it. That's why we went, like I told Nick last week, I'm like, sometimes I got to pick movies that are going to work for more than just me. So I didn't go, I didn't go watch his Lisa Frankenstein or whatever. I did fall on the Madam Web grenade, and I, I don't like Bat said. I, I don't think it's a thirteen percent as the, the critics have it on Rotten Tomatoes, but I'm right in line with the fans. So about you know forty-five to fifty-five percent. It's you know it's Sony Marvel, so think Morbius stuff like that. I, I'm not really gonna rip on Venom that much because I actually think the Venom movies have been pretty pretty decent from Sony. Uh, but this Madam Web, it, it seems like they definitely missed a few opportunities, if you will. Uh, we we could have had, uh, could have had, uh, I don't know, maybe some more superheroes that people know about show up. Maybe just once. Maybe not have guys dressed just like Spider-Man, and they're not. Uh, some of the acting is rough. 
not on the ladies' part. I actually think, uh, what's her name? Dakota Johnson, she's fine. The three younger girls, I think Sydney Sweeney's in one of them. I think that's fine. But the the villain, holy shit, is he terrible. Absolutely terrible. I don't know if they were going for a, you know, a stereotype with a Latin American man or what. But the, the, the it's, his acting is terrible. And it's not even like his accent. I mean, yeah, he's got an accent, but he just delivers his lines as if he doesn't know how to act. It's as if I was paid to do it and was just sitting there reading a script. So, um, yeah, it's it's weird. It's just like whatever. Sony, just give up the Spider-Man license, please. I'm not sure Disney and Marvel can do much better with it the way they're going these days, but they can definitely do much better than what Sony has been up to. Uh, so that's that. I checked out another flick this week. Some of you might have already heard about. It's on Amazon Prime. But if you are a fellow lover of the Snoop Dogg like myself, then you have to check out his The Underdogs movie from blunts to runts on Amazon Prime. Dropped a few weeks ago, like I said, at the end of uh, January. Um, he essentially plays a retired football star. Think like, you know, like a Randy Moss type and uh, as part of some community service, he ends up coaching a youth football league. And what makes this so worth watching is it's rated R, yet the cast is predominantly kids. So if, if you're down with that type of setup where it might get a little uncomfortable, you might be like, hey, let's, let's watch a family film. You throw it on and the first thing you hear is like, F this, F that, N word this, N word that. Yeah, it's uh, it's not your typical family film, but it definitely has that Snoop Dogg appeal to it. So, like I said, if he's one of your heroes in life, like like mine, I love this guy. I mean, uh, if I if I could pull him out of my stack of toys here and show you, I've got a beautiful, like chibi vinyl Snoop Dogg with a fat blunt hanging out of his mouth. One of my favorite collectibles, hundred <sighs> percent. All right. So, still no Nick. Not sure what's happened to him. Uh, must be a pretty deep movie here, but <laughs> I digress. I'll keep, I'll keep pushing on, Nick. We got you, buddy. We'll get us through this at, at some point in time. Uh, so, th yeah, there's, that's kind of my little pop culture talk this week. Two flicks. One, I think, worth checking out, especially if you have Amazon Prime. Even though those dicks now want you to pay more to not get ads, it's like, come on. Shouldn't some of us be grandfathered into some of these plans? I mean, if you were a Prime member back when it was, what, $79, shouldn't you just be grandfathered into whatever plan you signed up for? Enough with this bullshit where like, oh, hey, 10 years later, now, you know, Prime's up to, what, 150 and now if you want to watch our movies, you're still going to have to watch ads. But you can pay us an extra $3 a month if you don't want those ads. It's similar to what Max has done. I mean, Max are like, hey, even though you were already locked in at the top tier, we're creating a new super top tier where now if you want to watch stuff in 4K in Dolby Atmos, you have to pay us extra. I don't know. Maybe that's why Christopher Nolan was saying, hey, people, quit buying streaming films. Go back to this. He might have a point. He might have a point, although I don't really think I have much more room in this basement to handle 
a fresh collection of, of Blu-rays or whatever comes next after that. All right, so I guess while Nick is here, I'll kind of get into some of the newsy posts while we wait, because we want young Nick to do the Bad Batch breakdown, right? Anyone else? That, that's like a must. We need young Nick for that. Um, but anyways, got a, th- this just dropped today. So this is coming from Collider. Apparently, it's an exclusive of theirs. But uh, it's some Acolyte news. So I'm, I'm super pumped about the Acolyte. We've talked about this on the show ad nauseum. It should be something completely different for Star Wars fanboys and girls like myself because we're finally going to get a, tori- a story told through the lens of the bad guys. So the bad guy is going to be the protagonist in the movie. And as Leslie Headland has said, the showrunner, and I think she's probably written a few episodes, uh, it, it's going to show a different side of the galaxy and, and possibly the Jedi. You know, will, will we get to see their hubris at its peak? Will we get to see some of their follies early on there, letting the Sith infiltrate the upper echelons of society, the Senate? Who knows? So um, I'm, I'm pumped about the Acolyte for that aspect, the unknown. And really, the, the, the one leaked set photos we got probably a year ago, over a year ago at this point in time, it just it looked great. I mean, you had that, that, that Wookiee Jedi, you, you have the High Republic Order is kind of kicking things around at this point in time when the show's coming out. So the Jedi are going to look different. They're probably going to act different. Uh, maybe they're even more arrogant than we remember them. So, uh, but the news here, coming from Collider, and I don't know, I don't really, it doesn't line up to me, but we'll see. Collider is reporting that the Acolyte is going to hit Disney Plus this summer on June 5th. So that's going to be about a month after Bad Batch ends its um, season three, the series finale. It'll be a month after Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. So I don't know. It... I'm not completely cold on June 5 being the date, but I'm not fully sold on it either. It almost seems too close to the end of Bad Batch. But because Bad Batch is an animated series, and last year Disney did launch uh, The Mandalorian while Bad Batch was still running, I think there could be some room to start a live-action series only one month shortly after Bad Batch ends. You know, typically Disney likes to space out those live stream shows, but um, or live action live stream shows. But it, like I said, there is there is an example last year where they were willing to run two Star Wars shows concurrently. So one could make the guess that, hey, after a month off, we're going to go ahead and run the Acolyte. And if the Acolyte does drop June 5 and, you know, it, it has eight episodes or so, that would get us through the summer. Then maybe you take a month off or so and, and get into Skeleton Crew to um, or maybe Tales of the Jedi to kind of wrap the Disney Plus new Star Wars show season. So uh, I hope this is true. The Acolyte June 5. But I don't know. It, it, it seems a little too close to the end of, of Bad Batch and... And the date's just kind of odd, but I guess they did release Kenobi towards the end of May, early June. So there is also 
um, I guess, proof of concept for that as well. All right, man. Hopefully I can keep vamping until Nick gets here if he's ever showing up. Um, he'll be here someday, hopefully. If not, this could be a quick show, and it'll essentially just be a recap of my 15-minute deep dive of Bad Batch Seasons 3 premiere, which, hey, if you haven't checked it out yet after this show, or if you're listening post-haste, you're not here live, go ahead and pause and check out my... Uh, my video i think a whopping 30 people have looked at it today because yeah i make shitty content but i'm compelled to do it and i do like it in the end so uh let, let's go ahead and, and kick around here over to another story of note i'll start with this one see if this see if i can delay this long enough for nick to possibly show up here this one is for you gamers out there. I don't know how many gamers listen to the SWTS. I know a lot of you are geezers like myself. I, I still game. I try to get, get in some game at least once a week, but not nearly like I used to. My 10 years in video game media kind of killed that, as well as becoming a dad. So, uh, you know what I mean. But this is, if this is true, this is going to be great for all of us. And it's something we, we've kind of talked about in the past that we would like. Uh, things like that, but um, apparently Respawn, so Respawn, they're the people that have been making the Jedi Fallen and Jedi Survivor series, so not bad, they, they know Star Wars, they know what they're doing, uh, they've also made Titanfall, and I believe they were one of the original Call of Duty developers, so they definitely have practice in making video games that involve shooting stuff, right? So that is a, a positive. But what is interesting for us, as Star Wars people, is that Respawn apparently is working on a first-person Mandalorian video game. Hold on, Nick has hit me up. I know this is great radio here. All right. Anyways, Nick is, he's done with his meeting, but he's got to finish episode three. So I told him, just go ahead and finish it. Come in when you're ready. I'll keep vamping here. Um, but like I said, Respawn, and this is coming from Insider Gaming, Tom Henderson in particular. They He's been known to, you know, break legit news. So... Uh, I, I wouldn't say this is a grain of salt type of rumor, but it's also not 100% a stone cold lock. But like I said, Insider Gaming is reporting that Respawn Entertainment is currently developing on a first person Star Wars game that will star a Mandalorian bounty hunter. All right. It's not clear if the bounty hunter is going to be Din Djarin, though. I mean, one would think that would make sense. He's marketable. You could slap Grogu on there and, and sell it to the Grogu crowd. Uh, but Insider Gaming was not committing to who this bounty hunter was. I'm also starting to think, specifically because of the time frame that they're saying this game's going to take place, which is the reign of the Galactic Empire, why not use Boba Fett? I mean, I know he doesn't classify himself as a Mandalorian, but pretty much everyone in the galaxy does, even other Mandalorians. So 
he would make a pretty great character to be a first-person Mando in a Respawn Entertainment video game. So I don't know about you, but I, I would definitely get down with a little Boba Fett. Now, you know, maybe he's too popular, too known, and we want to roll with someone a little less popular. Like, like even I'd be fine with even a no-name Mandalorian, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, just rolling around with a Mando, having their skill set at your disposal, everything on their, you know, their wrist gauntlets, the jetpacks, their their throwables, their blasters, their rifles, their pistols, you know, I mean, it's their religion. So a game where you're playing as a character whose religion is weaponry and destruction and being ultra efficient at it, I, it doesn't, we don't really need a branded named famous star wars character um all right i think nick's coming in but here's what else we have on this game um thanks to mando's having jetpacks there the game is going to kind of focus on mobility and it will reward players for playing at a fast pace that is stylish uh, in fact, Insider Gaming is reporting that player health regeneration may be based on how many successive kills can be strung together. All right, so think about that type of stuff. Uh, lots of potential in this game. Uh, the other notes they had here is the game is not going to be open world. Rather, it's going to be a um, kind of focused on linear levels set across the Star Wars galaxy, which is which is fine. I mean, you give us nice curated levels with cool environments, maybe some pickups, some things to wander around and look at. It doesn't need to be open world. And finally, it's not been confirmed yet if it's going to have a multiplayer mode. Uh, you think it would be kind of naturally suited for multiplayer with the jetpacks and other games that have gone with that type of uh, mobility shooter, but that has not been confirmed. Can I help you? All right, can you take this with you? The, the walkie-talkie, sorry. That's little one checking in, getting her iPad. So, uh, yeah. They're, they're thinking this game is just now in the development, so it's probably one to two years out. And we all know gaming these days, it could be much longer than that. Uh, so we will we'll definitely be keeping our little lightsabers pointed at this Respawn Entertainment first-person Mandalorian game, which hopefully comes out in the near future, as in within the next three to four years, please. Um, although we should be getting Outlaws at some point this year, right? Maybe this summer, maybe in the fall. Uh, back in the day when it was first announced, Outlaws would be coming out in a few weeks here, I think towards the end of March, but oh well. Um, that's not the case. What is Nick doing? He keeps saying, I'm calling, he's not calling, he's coming, he's not coming. All right. I don't know. Oh, okay. He is finishing the episode. You guys like the, you like the live reports here for, <laughs> for Nick? Uh, he, got, he got locked in a meeting till well after 5 o'clock, and he, he's trying to... To wrap the final episode. You're good, Nick. He's good. 
All right. So I guess I'll move into the last little newsy piece, and then Nick should be here for Bad Batch time. Perfect, right? Perfect. Plus, this is going to keep the show moving, because when I have someone here with me, I tend to talk even more. So as we can tell, we're only 22 minutes in, and we're already through almost all the topics outside of Bad Batch. If Nick was here, we'd probably still be talking about Madden Web. (laughs) So it's working out. Uh, But anyways, our last little news post here to talk about is a future Bad Batch character, hopefully within the next few episodes, uh, and that is Asajj Ventress. All right, so we we all know she's coming back. That was revealed in the trailer, and um, speaking of reveals, I was kind of feeling bad today about putting out content like I always do. I still slap my spoiler warnings on it, and then I see the official Star Wars and Bad Batch accounts just like, oh, here's a clip, here's a clip. Oh, by the way, yeah, this is the uh, this is going to be the episodes where Palpatine shows up. I know it's in the trailer, but still, some people like that surprise. So I, I, I guess I don't feel that bad, uh, but I do have some shorts out there right now. They should be hitting platforms throughout the week on Bad Batch. As always, we as in me, would love your support. Give me those clicks. Give me those shares. Leave comments. Please, please, please. So anyways, back to this. Asajj Ventress. The Bad Batch creatives have teased that there could be more Asajj post the Bad Batch series finale. Okay, so the direct sat down with the head writer Jennifer Corbett and Brad Rao, who is the show's supervising director, And like I said, based on their conversations, it's starting to sound like season three of Bad Batch will not be the only property that is graced by the now resurrected Asajj. All right. So Brad Rao kind of talked about this decision to bring her back a bit more in this interview. So I'll kind of start there. He said, yeah, I mean, we're huge Ventures fans. And when we talked with our creative team to figure out that we could bring her into the storyline, we were very excited. We pulled designs from unaired arcs of the Clone Wars, which inspired the novel Dark Disciple. And we're not contradicting anything that happened in Dark Disciple. So, I mean, they, they've kind of come out and said that before, but they added in the layer that, hey, Asajj was going to look this way and, and kind of start doing some of these things in the Clone Wars until a lot of those ideas got canned when George sold to Disney. So it, it, it's funny how Asajj's journey is kind of panning out here, if you think about it. Started in Gennady's Clone Wars, made it over to George's Clone Wars, uh, became a, a staple character, was bad, then was gray, and then was starting to lean good. And she was such a popular character, and her arc was so interesting that they used aborted Clone War stories with her to create the Dark Disciple novel, which now, like I said, full circle, she's coming back. And Dark Disciple is going to be honored. So animated Asajj spawned words and shit Asajj, which potentially killed her, but now, thanks to animated Star Wars, Asajj has returned somehow. So, um, like I said, that's not the fresh news. Brad went in to um, talk about her potential. And, you know, as you listen, I'll kind of let you parse it out the way you feel like it, but here's what he had to say. But I will say that not all of the answers to the mystery of interest will be told in the Bad Batch show. So again, he's he's kind of talking about Asajj 
her past and really the way I was reading it, kind of how she was able to return. So it sounds like, yeah, we might get some of it, but not all of it. Not all of her mystery will be um, told in the Bad Batch. He went on to say there may be future answers down the road in something else. But it was really great to have the character in our show to interact with our characters. It was really cool. So, I mean, I mean, there may be future answers down the road in something else. What is the something else? It could be anything. It could be another book. You know, Dark Disciples 2. It could be a comic book run. It could be a fresh animated series that we don't even know about yet, which fingers crossed, pretty please, because so far Star Wars animated series have been pretty freaking awesome. I mean, if you think about the the, the Clone Wars and how that kind of aged like a fine wine, and then Rebels, Bad Batch, Visions, Tales, hell, I'll even say Star Wars Resistance. I, I, I mean, animated Star Wars has really had a great track record if you sit down and think about it and, you know, get over some of the weird things that, that people first felt when animated Star Wars became a thing. Well, that's not Star Wars. <laughs> Anakin would never have a paddle one. Blah, 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 blah. Snips is stupid. But yeah, it, it's pretty great. So I would love her to show up in a fresh animated series. Maybe it's it's the Asajj and Quinlan show. Who knows? Uh, I would also really appreciate her crossing over into live action. Uh, you could always use a character like Asajj in the Mandoverse if she's meant to make it that far. Uh, so I would take that as well. But, uh, you know, she there's so much potential to tell more stories in the timeline between the Bad Batch's end all the way up to Andor and, and Star Wars Rebels. So... Who knows, but I do like to hear about Asajj not just being used for Bad Batch. I think that's something Nick and I talked about. It'd be kind of stupid. We should just, if you're going to bring her back, if you're going to change the outcome of of canon material, it needs to be purposeful and it needs to have a lasting impact. And just having her pop up in an episode to a Bad Batch would not achieve that. So I'm glad to hear that the team over there, at least Disney and Lucasfilm, it sounds like they do have plans to tell more Asajj stories just in something else that isn't called Bad Batch Season 3. You know, thinking about the live action aspect of Asajj's return, you know, one thing where you could make a direct tie into maybe even Ahsoka would be the, uh, you know, the, the night sisters and Thrawn's pact, right? We know they end up on Dathomir who was laid to rest on Dathomir and seemingly was resurrected. So you could argue, depending on what we learn about Asajj and how she came back to life, you could argue that she's coming back in bad batch to potentially set up, some narrative threads that are going to be paid off in Ahsoka season two. You know, uh, what were all those caskets for that Thrawn brought back from Peridia? 
once on Dathomir, will they be able to use some of the same mystical powers, dark magic that we've seen from uh, the Clone Wars, like Mother Talzin would use or Daka would use to raise the dead? So possibly in Bad Batch, we could get some some insights into that, uh, da- more insights into Dathomirian culture, some of the dark magic that the mothers get into, the witches, and and how that could lead to a resurrection. Which then, like I said, would have a bridge or a through line up to Ahsoka Season 2 when potentially Thrawn and the Night Sisters, the Great Mothers, that is, resurrect that army we think they brought back with them. Um, all right, so we still don't have a Nick. So there is one other thing I saw over here on Leaks. Uh, yeah, th- this popped up here. Star Wars Battlefront Classic Collection releases on Nintendo Switch March 14th. So I'm guessing they're talking Battlefront 1 and 2 from back in the early aughts. Uh, yeah, which would be fantastic. The Switch actually has a lot of good old school Star Wars compilations, if you will, like, like discs that have multiple games on it. Uh, I know they got a great one. I think it's got Jedi Academy, Outcast, Knights of the Old Republic 1 and 2, and possibly Pod Racing. I mean, that, that's a hell of a collection of games here. Um, but, it, you know, it, it's how many, it's, you also run into the conundrum. How many times could we possibly buy the same game? Obviously, getting on the Switch, you get that, that portability, the mobility. So if you own it on a console, I guess you could kind of get that bump there, but uh, again, it's like I, I I own these games at least two or three times on uh, computers, Macs, iOS devices. But just in case you need a tenth copy of the original Battlefront games, uh, it looks like they're going to be coming to the Switch on March fourteenth. So. Uh, what else we got here? Oh, Django Fett comic is coming out. That looks pretty neat. I do like his armor. You know, he, he there was a time I wasn't a huge fan of Django, but like his son, his clone progeny, uh, he he's grown on me a bit too. Maybe if that hot toy gets, you know, if they they run like a forty percent discount on it, I'll finally get the Django hot toy. And hey, there's the new Bad Batch poster. All right, so Nick should be getting here anytime soon. I'm going to go ahead and just kind of pop over to the Bad Batch post. That's right, people. It's getting close to Bad Batch time. We had the season three premiere today. Three episodes. Uh, what, what the hell was the name of them here? Real quick. I know I'm so prepared here. I'll find it in a second. Okay, so episode one was called Confined. Episode two Pass Unknown, in episode three, Shadows of Tantis. And boy, oh boy, was that a pretty damn good episode. But as we wait for Nick, I'll just kind of go and get into my general review of the premiere for Bad Batch Season 3. Now, obviously, if you want a a much more long-winded deep dive, just me, you can go check that out on YouTube.com slash Star Wars Time Show. I, I posted my 
unscripted one take full breakdown of the three episodes that dropped today. So that is, like I said, live now on YouTube. But my quick take here on these three episodes is thank goodness they decided to release all three today. And listen, I, I'm not going to get into this this bitch fest like a lot of fans get into. Like, ooh, filler content, too slow, too stupid. I have a feeling uh, Nick might be <laughs> coming in and, and saying that. But I, I did feel like episodes one and two were, you know, purposely slow because we were we're starting to lay down the narrative train tracks for this season. So you you kind of had to catch up with the main characters and lay down where they're at how they're feeling, what they're currently doing, uh, and kind of, you know, what, what's happening in the galaxy in particular, what's going on with, with the Empire. So I understood why episodes one and two were a, a bit slow and kind of uneventful. But as a, a three-episode drop, I think it was a great way to kick off the season, and, and that's really thanks to episode three. Um, you know, episode two is very much like episode one. It just gave us a, a different perspective of what's happening. So in episode one, obviously it was all from the perspective of the clones locked up on Tantus, in particular Omega and Crosshair. Uh, I, I, I really did enjoy episode one, the Groundhog Day motif, if you will. Uh, I, I always like that where, you know, in movies, cartoons or whatever, you, you just see a person reliving the same day over and over and over and over. And it's a way to pass time. And while, yeah, it's not a true Groundhog Day where Omega was just waking up to the same day every single day, she she essentially was waking up to the same life. And I thought it was a very clever way to show the passage of time for her. You know, when we first meet Omega, she's only been there for maybe a month based on her wall scratches. But just thanks to the sink, you know, if you notice there, the, the leaky sink, that was kind of the, the nod to us all that a new day has begun. But I love how they did that. And all of a sudden she's, you know, 150 days plus, you know, almost uh, was a half a year or so, almost half a year. She, she's been locked up now. Well, we got to see her hair grow out a little bit. She's in the ponytail. So I, 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 I love that part of episode one. And really, the other thing I enjoyed about episode one was the, the focused conversations between Crosshair and Omega. Because listen, I mean, these characters have not spent a lot of time together. In fact, very minimal amounts of time. So, and they're such drastic personalities, the, the differences between them right now. I mean, Crosshair, you got to feel for the dude. I mean, yeah, he, he made a lot of poor choices, but you can tell he is paying for them dearly. And, and he kind of wants that. I got the sense that he wants to be punished. He feels like he should be locked up, just like he told Omega. Like, hey, don't, don't waste yourself on a lost cause like me. So he is in rough shape. I mean, this, this dude's been burned. He's, he's tried to get away. He's been captured. He's been experimented on. He, his hands are all shaky, but I, I just, I really appreciate the dynamic between these two. It starts off very icy as any conversation would with crosshair, but towards the end, he, you know, things get a little warmer. He's, he's starting to not necessarily buy into her idea of escaping, but you know, kind of 
just appeasing her. You know, if you ever had a kid, it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you just, you, you tell them something like, oh yeah, you're doing great. Even though they're, they're not you're just like, yeah, keep it up, buddy. You can do it. It was one of those things. Uh, so I, I did like those, those two together. And, and as we saw by episode three, that the bond is much stronger. They're working more like a team, just like Omega was with his brothers when he decided to leave. All right. It sounds like Nick's calling in here for a second. So. As he's doing, I'll just kind of wrap my review. Uh, episode three, fantastic. I, I mean, Palpatine's arrival already, the Project Necromancer reveal. You know, Nick and I were like, hey, we we want a tie to the sequels, to the Mandoverse. We got it right away with the premiere, with uh, Palpatine's visit to Project Necromancer, the Necromancer lab, that is. All right, here he comes, people. Give us a second while we bring in young Nick. I hear him. Here he is. All right. Made it. Look at this that. This is what happens when you have a job. Yeah. Sometimes. Hey, no big deal, buddy. We've been, uh, you, you'll actually like it. We'll probably have a much shorter show because I've already covered everything but Bad Batch and Fad segment. So you are, you've showed up at the perfect time. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Yeah. I mean, uh, News wise, I, I assume that there's not much as per usual. Like <laughs> Respawn is rumored to be making a first person Mandalorian game set during right. the Galactic Empire. And yeah, that makes sense. That's probably like similar to what was leaked. Like, right. Months ago. It, it just it's like, you know, we don't know who it is, but whatever. Yeah. Mandalorian first person respawn sounds like a good formula. And uh, the other thing was just a uh, just a quote from Brad Round, Jennifer Corbett on the potential future of Asajj Ventress beyond Bad Batch. And they yeah. they 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 made it pretty clear without saying it that you're not going to learn everything about her mysterious resurrection in Bad Batch. But there may be something else that kind of dives into the details. OK. Um, yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, nothing big. And then I talked about the shitty Madam Web and the excellent Snoop Dogg, the underdog movie on Amazon. So that's it. Nice. You're all caught nice. up. But there I actually go all caught up. Nick, I you know how we usually do it. We kind of kick off with our personal reviews. I, I just about finished mine here. I was, I was just talking about how episode three was kind of the banger. We had the Palpatine arrival. We got right into Project Necromancer. So you and I got one of our once kind of checked right away. Yep. Uh, Omega and Crosshair already off Tantus, which I think is awesome. And yeah. I really felt like episode three was the exclamation point to the premiere. And without it, it would have felt a bit lackluster if we just ran with episodes one and two. Yeah, I, I totally agree there. I feel like episodes one and two probably could have been combined into one episode. I, I know that, you know, specifically episode two felt like it was a little bit uh, like too focused on living trees. Like, Oh my gosh, the, the empire, they experimented on these branches and now they just attack people. And I was like, okay, cool, I guess. But, um, yeah, episodes one and two, I mean like episode one, a little bit more meat on the bone than episode two, but I do feel like overall, if you would have split those 15 minutes each, you would have accomplished the goal of both of those episodes in one without having two of them that essentially just didn't tell that much of a story. Um, I know where they're leading with episode two, like, Oh look, these are, these are clones that were abandoned by the empire. They may help in whatever is to come in the future. 
for the Bad Batch. It, like, you know, if there is an assault on Tantus that happens in season three, then maybe we see those uh, those like abandoned mocked uh, Deacon it, stack, brother. Yeah, like maybe they help out. They're going to Pabu, really, your favorite island. It's it's the best place in Star Wars, right? Like Pabu, <laughs> just everybody loves Pabu. I love that Pabu got a mention in the premiere as well. I mean, how can you beat it? You get a Pabu drop. Palpatine shows up in hey oh yeah here's project necromancer by the way literally like here it is this is it look yeah. you can see it now this is what it is well, yeah so i am glad that we got as much as we got in it i do think that like i don't remember i think that our our uh our predictions had either crosshair or omega or maybe both of them lasting a little bit longer in the uh in the Tantus facility, but I could be wrong. <laughs> no, I mean, we, we kind of hedged our bet and we, you know, we can just make it up. Cause it's not like anyone's yeah. going to go look up our stupid show. So, uh, I, I do think we, we kind of bought in that crosshair might've got out early based on the trailer and seeing yes, someone yeah. in that armor and whatnot. And we also, I remember there was a screenshot of Omega in a pilot seat and I was like, well, that, that kind of yeah, we implies were... that she's not locked up. Yeah, so, so yeah, we, we nailed it, Nick. Out. Woo-hoo. <laughs> did they get out? Did they not come to find out? They did get out. They got out, and uh, I li- I, think- I like that decision. Do you that they're out this early? Yeah, I mean, it would have been you would have if you didn't let them out this early. You would have essentially had to play every episode that uh, that kept them inside of Tantus in two parts. You would have had to play like here's Tantus, and then here's the batch, and right. then here's Tantus, and then here's the batch. So to stop from essentially having to tell two parallel storylines at the same time, you now can just tell, you know, the, the story of the, the reunited batch altogether and then whatever they plan on doing, you know, it, it does now change the dynamic of possibly what we had happening towards the end of the show. Like, do we still think that, they are going to assault the base, you know, like are, are they going to try to go back to Tantus to, to essentially do what we said and try to free the clones that were still there? I think Omega will, will not let them do anything otherwise. I'm going to be honest with you. She, she seemed way more concerned about those dogs than about the, the clones. <laughs> like well, I, the only reason I say that is because, you know, early on, I think episode one, when crosshair is still kind of down the dumps, not hearing it. Hey, I'm a lost cause. Don't waste your life on me. Uh, she pretty much says none of us should be locked up here. And that, that's yeah. where I'm kind of going. If, if they do happen to link back up with Hunter and Wrecker, which it would make sense. Why would they not go and try to find them? Uh, but I, I could see her like, hey, guys, there's some nasty shit going on there that the full that's the other thing I like by them escaping and Hemlock teased it. The full force of the Empire is now going to be after those two people. So that, yeah. that's where we're going to get the bounty hunters now. Mercs, uh, true believers, the, the the mystery clone that showed up in episode three there. Just, you know, they, they purposely like, hey, there's Republic commandos walking in the frame, but we're going to keep the camera focused on that guy in the armor from the trailer. Um, but yeah, I, I think she's taking them back still. They're, they're not going to let those clones just be lab rats in, in my opinion, or, you know, maybe she does get locked up again, but that, that'd be kind of stupid, right? If, if they do yeah, capture her, like, that's what I'm trying to say is like, I don't, now that they're out, I don't see a route back to Tantus. 
like you said, like they're sending out the full, like Palpatine essentially told him whatever you need, you got it. And like that. And and now he knows that Omega is the key, which of course, I mean, unaltered clone makes sense. Um, so they're going to be going after her and like, they know, well, one, they know that they stole this shuttle. They can track the shuttle probably. And two, they know that like, we need to fight. They're going to reunite with the rest of the bad batch. So if we can find the batch, so they're going to use their network of informants, probably Sid to like, see if they can find the batch, but they're sending out everybody to find them. So I'm struggling to see like where the moment is for them to come back. Cause like you said, if they send them out and then they just recapture them and then go back to Tantus, it feels a little weird, you know? Well, I, 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 no, I, I'm with you. Like, I, I don't think there's going to be a recapture. I do think the return to Tantus is going to be a coordinated clone effort. Like the freed clones, Pabu clones, wherever the hell Rex is stashing these mofos. They're going to hear from Omega and Crosshair what's going down, and that's going to be their last hurrah. Like, hey, we're, we're going to go and we're going to free our bros. Yeah, and, so in that instance, it almost seems like they like they as in the batch and omega may not even be involved with the tantus side of things like it would because if they're actively being pursued by the empire unless they somehow shake that or like they whatever happens to where like the empire is no longer chasing them anymore like it it almost feels like they're going to be off being chased by the empire and then the clones that are freed and then like whoever else rallies to that cause will, will attack Tanta. So like, I guess that's the, unless like the batch's plan is like the best pl- place to be when your enemy is hunting you is in yeah, your I, enemy's base. I, I, I honestly like, think that's what it's going to end. I think they're going to go up. It's going to be an all-star squad roll into Tantus of clones and, and whoever else wants to join in, maybe friends they found along the way, but uh, I, 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 this is not the last of the clones, our named clones, Clone Force 99, Omega and Tantus. There's, there's no way. I mean, they, they made too big of a deal of that location over the first three episodes here. So, uh, we always got Hemlock to check in on. And of course, Nala say, and, um, you know, some of the other stuff going on at that play project Necromancer. And we're, we're going to get into that. Don't worry, people. Uh, but did I, were you reviewing anything or we just kind of jumped into a talk on, I mean, yeah, I think we just kind of jumped into our, our, our thoughts on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you, if you want to go through a a review. Yeah. I I already, uh, I already kind of laid down my thoughts. So unless I, I think, I mean, for me, review wise, uh, episodes one and two are like mid, like they're, I really do feel like it would have been better if, if they were combined. Um, just because I feel like specifically episode two was weak. Like I actually like, because I was pressed for time, I like skipped five minutes of that episode and fucking nothing happened in the five minutes that I skipped. And I was just like, okay, well like get me to something like, where are we going with this? Is it just like they find these kids, they escape. And that's essentially what it was. It was a 24 minute episode of them being like, Oh, this was Hemlock's thing. It got destroyed. Their clone's still here. Omega's not here. We're leaving. Yeah, they got uh, sector information out of it. So they have a general clue of where Hemlock is at now. Yeah, so I, I, I do feel like that episode was probably, uh, you know, 
could have been combined with episode one. Episode one was definitely focused on like how the interior has been treating, uh, you know, the interior of Tantus has been treating Omega and Crosshair where it seems like Omega has been given a little bit more access, a little bit more free reign. She's working with Nala say again, like she used to when they were still on Camino, which was really cool to see. Um, and, and, and really, uh, like dived into the, you know, interior of Tantus, uh, aspect of things. I do. I, I I still kind of have a feeling similar to episode two, where it's like, I don't know if we needed a 25 minute episode on that. I feel like that information could have been communicated in, uh, like a split episode. And then you had an extra episode for your main story arc. Um, but overall, uh, in, in terms of like episodic ranking, I would say that my favorite so far, it would be like three, one, two. I feel like two was just weak. Um, where three, where, but you Wrecker know, was carrying Gonky on his back. I'm going to be honest with you, dude. I may have skipped past that part. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the episode was just boring. Like it just like, got it was, to a point he, where he like, had he legitimately has a gonk droid backpack harness. It's pretty. Yeah. It was very wrecker, if you will. And the other the other thing I'll say about episode two, and, and Bat's been bringing this up, it, it, a lot of Halo vibes, right? Yeah, it's kind of very flood like those little spore things and the slither vines, and even in episode one, one of the TKs was TK three four three. So potentially there's a Halo nut working on the bad batch team yeah, it, at this, this it, point in time it seems like it which also may have been why i was like why i feel like it could have been combined because it almost like it was just like you i don't know it was just too too long of an episode for for literally like three minutes of actual substance behind it um sounds like and, nick's calling this one a filler episode well here's my problem is like w- this is the final season like we don't have time for bullshit like that. Like we have very limited time left in this season, in in this whole series. And we're taking time to like spend 24 minutes with like characters that we could have spent way less time with and then put more development into like the main plot line of this series. Fair. So I just thought that episode two was kind of a dud and I was just like, I was watching it and I was, and then I realized like 10 minutes in, I was like, I could probably skip and not miss anything. And I did like, I skipped through the end of it and I was like, okay, you missed well, the gonk droid backpack, Nick, come on. That was the yeah. entire episode. So, uh, but yeah, it had good I mean, music. I, I'll, I'll tell you what <laughs> throughout like Kevin Kiner, I'll never going to, I'm not going to say he's John Williams, but that dude is a hell of a composer for animated star Wars. And I think we also know he can do the live action shit thanks to his work on Ahsoka. But um, nepotism or not, the the Kiner family is killing it with Star Wars musical scores right now. Uh, In particular, in episode two, I I really thought the it kind of had some alien vibes to it. Maybe a little Predator, kind of that that drum stuff, tribal action. Um, All right. Fair enough. Let's go ahead and, and cover some of the top moments then, Nick, starting with episode one. Uh, well, like you, I, I, I didn't identify a ton of top moments, even though I do feel like these first three episodes, to me, gave me some of the lore I've been looking for. Now, that predominantly came in episode three, but it was teased in, in episode one with the uh, Necromancer stuff. 
But in terms of episode one, a, a top moment, I, I talked about this before you came on, but I, I really love the Groundhog Day thing they did with the sink and, and how mm-hmm. they used that to pass time and showed that, you know, when, when we first met with Omega, she'd only been there maybe a month. But then as time passed, it, it, it's, it's gone into maybe half a year. I think someone's counted 150 marks up there. So I, I like that aspect of how they told the story. But in terms of a top moment for episode one, I, I really found those to be between Omega and Crosshair. I kind of explained this a bit before you came on, but I, I really like their interactions. You can just see how beat down Crosshair is. Like all of the yeah. piss and vinegar has been sucked out of him at this point in time. I mean, yeah. so much so that Omega's like, come on, man, we're going to get out. You're my man. I'm not, no soldiers left behind. He's like, hey, I'm a piece of shit. Piece of shits deserve to be locked up in here and die. So leave me alone. But then that was contrasted with Omega and her usual bubbly, go get him, optimistic attitude. And, you know, we, we saw it grow throughout the episode and then into three. But I, we never really got to see these characters interact in deep, meaningful ways. Yeah. And it does seem that Omega is going to be the one that that is getting Crosshair to, you know, open up again, maybe potentially even forgive himself at some point in time. Uh, but it seems like she is allowing him to redeem himself a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense why Crosshair is in the state that he's in. I mean, he's essentially, uh, you know, he betrayed his brothers uh, to, to work for the Empire and then the Empire shit on him and then imprisoned him. Don't forget, he also got his whole face burnt too. Yeah, and (laughs) and tortured him. So like, uh, yeah, I mean, at this point, it's no surprise to see Crosshair in the state that he was in prior to their escape. Like he is completely and utterly broken down. Yeah. Like by his balls have been chopped off. Yeah. So it was interesting to see that juxtaposition of the two, the two characters, one of them like so, uh, you know, motivated to, to get out and motivated to, to reconnect with her, her family with the batch and, and crosshair essentially like, look, fucking leave me, like open up that kennel door and run your ass out. Don't worry about me. Um, so that was, that was a really cool, uh, play off of those two characters that it was, uh, really interesting to get to see Omega, really interact with Crosshair in a meaningful way for the first time in the series. I mean, Crosshair was always the one to say like, just get rid of this girl. Like we don't need to be, you know, like all of that stuff. And, and to see that she is the one that essentially saved him and, and not only the one that, that saved him to get out of the fucking facility, but also the one to save him because they couldn't shoot them down because of her. Like if it wasn't, because of Omega, Correct. they would both be dead. <laughs> so, yeah, I, uh, I I really like this this decision they made here to pair these two up early on. I mean, it, it seems like they're gonna be a, and we see this in movies and TV shows. There's usually two to three main narrative threads that you follow with characters, and it's seeming so far in Bad Batch season three, our one thread is gonna be Wrecker and Hunter. They're going to expose us to stuff on the outside, the Rexes, the Echoes, stuff like that, the the the, the Moxes, the Deeks, and Stacks. There, there's going to be the Tantus narrative, mainly driven through Hemlock, Nalase, and Emery. 
And now there's going to be what seems like the the crosshair and Omega narrative. And and I don't know about you, Nick, but I, I kind of want these two to be on their own for a bit and not immediately link back up with Hunter and Wrecker. Yeah, I mean, I think at the very least they're going to have to make a pit stop in the next episode for like either repairs well, like you said, to the, the ship. ditch the ship. Yeah, like you got to get rid of that ship. Like if, if they don't repair it and then try to, you know, you know, fuck with the homing beacon, then they have to ditch it and then get another mode of transportation. I know that their first plan obviously was to to get to that shuttle and then just send a message to the batch as soon as they got there. Obviously that didn't work out. The comms weren't working. So it may still be the plan to like, Hey, get to the next planet that we can, where we, you know, like hopefully aren't found easily send out a message to the batch and then see if we can coordinate some sort of, uh, you know, search or like some sort of rescue op for the batch to pick up, uh, crosshair and Omega. How sweet would it have been if, uh, if they Pesha? actually stole Palpatine's ride? Like how great. Yeah, that was- I was hoping it was going to happen. I was like, how, how would these two pull this off? But it would be amazing. I mean, Palpatine would have to nuke the entire base if that happened. Yeah, I know. Like it, it like, Right now, they can still kind of like keep it under the radar. Like, don't fucking tell them that these people just escaped. Just don't tell them. <laughs> like, yeah, that's what I think is like. I mean, he clearly must not know that o- Omega is the key, but Hemlock's oh, no. gonna have to tell her, and he's gonna be like, "Idiot, you you had her, and now you let my prize go." And, oh, dude, and, and we know I, how Palpatine handles that type of disappointment. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Is is Hemlock is definitely not gonna tell him. Hemlock's like. It, all that Palpatine knows now is like, Hey, we've made some progress. We're moving in a good direction. Uh, Hemlock's going to be like, don't tell him about this little hiccup that we've had here, because if we do, then I am dead. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I do think that there, that, that Palpatine is probably not going to be told that, that this person escaped or that she is the key. Uh, because if he does find that out, but then then Hemlock is in such yeah, he, big shit. You got to wonder, though. I mean, I wonder if Palpatine, obviously he's a genius. He has a temper. We know that. But I, one would think if Hemlock's like, hey, bro, we, we finally figured out the, the key here, but it is it escaped. Obviously, Sheev's going to be pissed, but he he also needs Hemlock. So I don't know if he could just nuke him quite yet. Um, yeah. And, and, and like Hemlock, he, he he's kind of like, yeah, fuck it. I've got the whole empire at my disposal. We'll get him. It, it, he wasn't even worried about no. Palpatine's reaction. So eh, who knows? Maybe he, he's he got a better plan than we're kind of speculating here. But one would think Palpatine would learn about that immediately considering his ship just fucking pulled off as they were, as they were uh, escaping. Yeah, it would be interesting to see. I mean, honestly, dude, we could run right into that trailer scene where we see Hunter and Wrecker seemingly have already rescued Crosshair and they're trying to get away from TKs. And I'm wondering if Omega was just hidden in the trailer edit or if when they do have this rendezvous, if you will, that shit gets fucked up and they only can save Crosshair. And then Omega yeah. is immediately captured again. Yeah. I mean, that would, it would make sense in terms of like why we have to go back to Tantus if she is recaptured relatively quickly. Um, you know, that would lead us on that path back there. Um, but if she, 
like you said, it could have been really clever editing. Just make sure that she's not in the scenes. I mean, like that, that definitely makes sense. But yeah, like that's where I think it it would still be weird if it was like, okay, well, you got away for an episode and then we recaptured you and then you're going all the way back yeah, to Tantus. So that like draws them back. I mean, I, you, you could definitely do that and it would definitely set up like a lot of the things that we talked about in our predictions and, and what we expected for this season, like a full on assault on Tantus, a breakout mission, not only for Omega and Crosshair, but for the clones that were there as well. That would definitely open that possibility up if, if Omega was back there, but it would be odd if it was like, all right, we, we, we put all this effort into episode three to like have them escape. And then in episode five, <laughs> midway through, she's recaptured. It's like, well, that seems weird, but okay. Yeah, it I, it's going to be interesting how they handle it. Hemlock was able to track them down and find her without the full backing of the Emperor. So with the backing of the Emperor, I guess you could argue, like, oh, yeah, it, it's going to be fairly easy. And that's why it's only going to be maybe an episode or two. But I, I think either way, if she stays, I'll be OK. If she gets immediately captured, but Crosshair doesn't, I'd be okay as well. If they both got captured, that'd just be absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Because uh, why would you even try to save Crosshair at this point in time? Just nuke him and and knock out Omega and take her back and drain her of her blood. Yeah. Because uh, I mean, because here's because here's the issue that we're running into now. It's like we we know from the sequel trilogy that whatever was happening with like the cloning program was at least relatively successful, right? Cause like Snoke is created. Snoke has force powers. Like, so there, there had to be some win, some win somewhere. Like the, the empire got a hold of somebody's blood, whether it's Omega's or whether it's somebody else's that they eventually find down the road where they could enact at least some port of some part yeah, of this I, project necromancy. I, I think you're you're right because they're still in Project Necromancer during the Mandoverse. So they they have not fully figured it out. That's for that's for sure. That's canon now. That happened in the Mandalorian season three when the Shadow Council was talking about yeah. it. So we know at least almost twenty years later the project's still going. But I, I think you could be onto something to where over these decades of time that have passed, they've gotten better and better at the the host the body, the, the strand yeah. cast being able to handle the same amount of M count that the specimen sample had during the transfer. Because that, that's where we're at. I guess I didn't want to quite talk about it yet, but people need educated on Project Necromancer, as I've found out reading some Reddit threads. Um but um, yeah, I mean, Bat's bringing up Gideon was doing some cloning. It looks like he might have figured out some shit, too. So he he could have had Hemlock's notes or Nalise's notes. But they, they, they definitely didn't perfect it because that's why Palpatine was in a rotting clone yeah, body. Cool. Like, like it, it, the, the clone body could not handle his M counts. As we are learning, these these clone bodies, these strand casts, if you will, they were you could shoot midichlorian jizz into them. But it would degrade. It would not. It would not be like if you're taking it from Yoda and you shot it into Cody. It would not be Yoda level M count. 
that that end yeah. count would severely drop and eventually start. It sounded like affecting the host body, like deteriorating yeah, the body. It, it would deteriorate. So yeah. you are right. So. Like it, 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 they they ha- they clearly have gotten better because they produced a being. I mean, he looked fucked up. Like you yeah. could you could chalk that up to yeah, Project Necromancer was never perfected because of the bad batch. But you are right. They do eventually get to the point where you have a strand cast with force abilities. So real quickly, for you people sitting there saying, ooh, Hemlock is Snoke. No. Snoke is already defined as a strand cast clone. Like, he is a clone. Strand cast straight up. Like, it is what it is. But it makes sense, because they, 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 didn't, they didn't know what they were doing. Probably because they never got, as we're going to find out, Omega's unaltered blood in Project Necromancer. I mean, they, they yeah. got to the point, Nick, you're right, where they could... He could get his essence over there and transfer his M count, but that body could never handle it. And he was losing power by over the decades to the point where, you know, when we meet him in the rise of Skywalker, the dude is in a star Wars quadriplegic wheelchair, essentially. I mean, he's a, he's a fucking puppet. He, he can't move. I mean, he's being whipped around on a big crane arm because his body is so broke. It is, you know, so we have to see like there's a, there's a lot of gaps to fill and obviously this season of the bad batch is not going to fill all of the gaps between now and and Trost and now and you know like even now in the Mandoverse probably like this is just kind of setting the scene for this initiative what's going on and and like potentially we can see how far they get until they're you know, their plans are disrupted at Tantus and then have to move off site. Cause we know that that also happens. Like we, we know that Tantus is not the ultimate site of where the large majority of this cloning, uh, research happens because we know that we're, we're pretty confident that at the end of this season, it's either going to be destroyed or the empire is going to evacuate Tannis and they're going to have to move their cloning research base into Delta different zero areas. buddy base Delta yeah. zero orbital bombardment. So, you know, that, that could be a, you know, what is happening here with Tantus, just like what happened with Hemlock's old fucking. Exactly. Lab, man. And, and we, saw, so. we, we predicted this and, and yeah. I'm, I'm, I still think it's going to hold true because by after Empire Strikes Back, motherfucker has Exegol fully functioning. Like all yeah. the Star Destroyers are laying in wait. He's got clone tubes, Luke's hand, freaky bodies that try to take out Robo Vader. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's inevitable that Mount Tantus on on Wayland is, is toast. And I, I do think Bad Batch, Clone Force 99, Omega, they're going to be the ones responsible for that. Yeah. All right. Um. I like this. We're just kind of all over, but it's working. Sticking with top moments, kind of moving into ep- Nick's favorite episode, episode two. Mm. Um, episode two. Here we go, baby. <laughs> I, you know what? This might have been when you were kind of fast forwarding, but I, I did, at least from an action perspective and a visual perspective, I did like the Slither Vine fight and then the rescue. All right. The, okay. I mean, the thing, yeah. the thing reminded me of what was it? The creature in the water, or whatever, from the mines of Moria. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like it was, <laughs> it, it gave me, it was, it was a mix between that and a Sarlacc yeah. because the Sarlacc, like, you know, the creature that you see in Lord of the Rings, like comes out of the water at one point And like, you see more of a, like a full circular body form, but like this almost like rose out 
like a sarlacc mouth and then like all of the tentacles were coming up. So like my first thing was like, this is like a water sarlacc. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but hey, it's a, so, it's an yeah. imperial water sarlacc. Imper- yes. Imperial. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I said, it just, it was, it was fun. Star Wars action, clone action at that. It was at night too. You know, Nick, we got our pretty lights that we like to see. Uh, yeah. Like Bat said, you know, it, it it's actually the flood. Like, uh, sure, why not? <laughs> I mean, they're all, all our favorite sci-fi universes. They're all the same. It's- Alien, Predator, Halo, all in the same galaxy. Why not? Uh, but there was also some in-universe tropes I appreciated. I, I did like that the young clones did the right thing in the end. I think that was a nice. I always like when, you know, heroic rescues, when when people make the right choice. You know, Mox eventually is like, you know what, that, that, that'd be fucked up. We're going to leave our brother and these guys here after we were left by all of our clone brothers. So they show up and then, you know, the kicker here, obviously Wrecker being involved, but the dropping all the bombs in it and then him at the end going, like, oh, I was like, yes. Any, yeah. Anytime Wrecker's dumbass gets excited, my dumbass gets excited. So I I did like this, this scene and then um, kind of the follow up on the ship. But the other one, Nick. Mostly because of the the voice cameo. I love that they brought back Daniel Logan to voice Mox. Yeah, the young. Kind of like the main guy. And then the other two, believe it or not, like they they gave Daniel a a specific character. Stack and Deke were voiced by that Julian Dennison kid. He was the uh, Firehands in Deadpool 2 or whatever. Oh, okay. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, but I believe he's he's a new New Zealander, so he already has that built-in uh, Maori Tamara Morrison accent. So it worked out mm-hmm. perfectly. But it it was a nice. It, it's always nice when former Star Wars actors can kind of come back and and play in the universe. So for a fan moment, I had to highlight that one. But now, yeah. you know, moving into the true top moments of the Bad Batch season three premiere, those all came from season or episode three like it wasn't even close people um i'm not as down on two as as nick his points are very valid but episode three was the star episode three is what made me go fuck yeah i i like this i like where things are headed i kind of like where all these irons are at in the fire right now um but in terms of a, a a top moment i mean how can you not talk about the arrival of palpatine uh, it was beautiful. It was everything we wanted. It was, you know, a slightly smaller scale version of what we got in Return of the Jedi. Uh, but he's just, I, I love this character. I love him. I don't love him as much as Darth Vader, but he's hes high up there on the list. And, you know, his arrival only got better the moment you heard Ian speak. It's just, yeah. man, it's, it's Pavlonian at this point in time with that guy's voice and this character. When you hear that, I, I just... I love it. I love this guy. So Palpatine's arrival was perfect. Loved it. Aces. I love that they they stuck with it all the way up until the lab. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was such a perfect way to to introduce Palpatine into the show. We knew that he was going to play a huge part in or at least a significant part in Bad Batch because of everything that is happening here. Project Necromancer, the cloning initiatives and all of the stuff that's going on at Tantus are his baby. Like that, you know, like he was telling Hemlock, this is essential to the success of this empire that this is done. The I, highest priority. Did, did you pick up on him saying, yo, bro, um, most people in the empire would think what you're doing is an abomination. So yeah. this is like super low key. 
I would say there's a hundred percent chance Vader doesn't even know this place exists at this point. 100, 100%. And that's why like at like towards the end, like, or when we were doing our, our, our speculations and stuff last week, you know, like we obviously would love to see Vader show up if there is an assault on Tantus, but like, this isn't Vader's thing. Like this, like Vader is out in the field. Like he is hunting down Jedi who survived order 66. Like he is, you know, putting communities under oppression. He's doing all of like the boots on the ground stuff where Palpatine is, is clearly the one who is, who is and has been orchestrating his backup plan since the, the day the empire started. Yeah, I was going like, to say, bro, dude, pretty much first thing on his agenda after declaring himself emperor was, okay, how can I become immortal? Yeah. And it makes sense. You know, like if we're going to fill in these gaps between what we know happens in the sequel trilogy and, and, and where we are in current star Wars, like having a scene like this, or just having an episode like this where Palpatine lays it out on front street, just right up, as soon as it started, like, Hey, this is my top priority. And we're only, like you said, five months into the empire being in existence, maybe a year. Yeah, like it, we're at not this that point, far might be into it. Two years, two, three, I'd yeah. say three at the most. Three, and, and that's pushing yeah. it. So like, we're still really early in Imperial timeline and he's already like, Hey, where, where do I need to be 30 years from now? Just in case something goes bad. Yeah, uh, no, and that, that, so. that's what he's doing. Real quick here from Ben Ryan in the, the stream. Was Palpatine actually a clone in Tross? I wasn't clear on that, to be honest. Yeah, when I first mm-hmm. watched it, I, I was like, nah, that, that's just his rotting corpse. But if you think about it, the dude fell down a reactor and his, his body exploded. And exploded, so yeah. He, he somehow transferred Returned. his essence across a galaxy somehow. Yeah. Into I a mean, clone that- vessel. and But because, like we said, because... His essence was so loaded with M count and they clearly never figured out necromancer hundred percent because of the M count was so high. It was, it was just eating the clone body literally from the inside out while also taking slowly degrading his power. And also he's puppeting Snoke the whole time that Snoke's alive. So like he's essentially living in his own body. Right. And then he is using, he's almost like using, from what I understand, like, again, like this could be wrong, but from what I understand, like he's also in some sort of control over Snoke as an entity while he's alive, right? Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, Snoke was in, it was a strand cast clone. He wasn't like a, a failed Palpatine clone like Ray's yeah. dad, but he was a puppet. Yeah. Um, it, so w- w- where was he cloned from? Is it like a very early on Palpatine attempt? Cause it doesn't sound like I'm it. Thinking, they just call him a strand cast. Yeah. And like what I'm confused, like, okay. So clearly in this scene, like in the scene where they, they go into the lab, they go through all the ray shields, they go into the lab Palpatine shows or, or Hemlock shows him a body. Yeah. So for let, sure. let's get, let's get into this then. Cause project necromancer or the necromancer room lab, whatever you call it was, was my next top moment. And Nick, I, I'm 99% sure in those cylinders are the bodies of Jedi's. Okay. I, I believe they're either in stasis 
uh, frozen because it doesn't sound like they can be dead dead and still e- extract what they need but uh, those those aren't clones i mean those those are referred to as specimens it's very clear that you know they're they're locked behind 85 ray shields these aren't just yeah. clones being experimented on these are more than likely fallen jedi that vader has delivered through the uh, inquisitorious the the inquisitors themselves uh, maybe you know Jedi that that fell at Order sixty six were collected and brought here, but I, what do you think, man? I, I I don't think there's any other choice, but those are Jedi bodies in stasis in that lab. Yeah, I mean, I think that the the idea here is like, okay, we need a body that has had the force. Correct. Before. That's what this so, stuff is. This is. And clearly, we know they lose this because what are they trying to track down the Mandoverse era? Grogu, for a sample, yeah. right? I'm with you 100%. This is essentially their their Jedi Force blood sample room. Yeah. So they're they're using this, you know, the 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 high metachlorian level blood or you know blood correct from these Jedi, correct. and they're testing that versus the clone bodies to see like, okay, where. Can we find a match? Can we find a combination that does not result in reduced M count? Correct. In terms of the new host body. So I think you're right. I think that is Jedi. And then obviously they've been going through all of these clones and testing them to see like, can we mix this clone body blood with this high midichlorian count blood and not have a degradation? Hundred percent. M count. Good. You so. you pass the the media literacy test. Thank you. Because <laughs> there, I was reading some theories. They're like, oh, this proves it. Omega, she's got the force. I'm like, no, 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 no. You fucking dopes. Like this was set up in season one. The reason Omega is so important is because she is the last sample of an unaltered Django Fett. Exactly. And if you remember yes. from season one, Lama Sue, when he was trying to be like, hey, we can keep cloning for you guys, Empire. You, you want us, right? We're awesome. Keep paying us. We like the money. But he was, Nala Say kind of nudged him like, hey, hey dude, we're, uh, we're kind of out of uh the material we need Juice. to make <laughs> we, to make high level functioning clones like we did and uh yeah. the only one that has that dna left uh, she escaped with the bad batch so yeah. lama sue not the empire initially sent bounty hunters to get omega for that exact reason cuz as nick said this unaltered clone blood that omega has is the key and, and the reason there is n- no one else they can focus on because the Kaminoans are dead. That, that, that cloning science died with them. They were the ones that perfected cloning in the galaxy until the Empire genocided their asses. So Omega is the only remaining sample of their brilliant creation from the clone army. And because yeah, it's so- unaltered, it apparently, Nick, has the ability to accept midichlorians perfectly. Yeah, and it's, you know, there were a lot of things that happened to the clones, like the the altered clones in their like DNA structure that did cause them to one age faster and two Correct. degrade quicker. Correct. So like it makes sense that like even clones like, you know, like Rex and all of the name clones that we know they're from all the TV series, they're all altered. Like none of them are unaltered clones. So all of them would have the same failure points. Correct 
as the tests that they're doing in Tantus. The only ones that would be able to essentially be a like be able to 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 have you know midichlorian essence transferred into their into their body without degradation of the m count would be omega and boba fett like those are the only two because those are the only two unaltered clones that were ever produced from camino so if there's an angle to bring boba fett back in Maybe you found it. He's yeah, I mean, I was just going to say, clone. dude, that that introduces a, a narrative problem now because, I mean, how could the Empire not know about Boba Fett? Yeah, they they, they literally fucking okayed his creation. They, that was his pay. That was Jango right. Fett's payment. Yeah. Like, so... So <laughs> you're right. I like that. Maybe, you know, maybe they, they find that out or somehow they remember like, oh, yeah, there's another one out there because it is. It's like, well... Why not go after two instead of putting all of your eggs into one basket? Um, yeah, I, I would. I would like that. I, I would. I would. You know, we're calling for it. It makes sense. I mean, Boba Fett kind of has to show up. Why do you? Why do you have Tech? I forget. It was season one at the end. Why do you have him specifically say, "Ooh, the Alpha"? Like you, you don't. Yeah. You don't do that shit just for fun. So uh, you may be onto something. This they could finally figure it out. Like, oh wait, there is another one out there. And um, it's just like he's locked up in a prison right now. It causes so many problems, though. Like the the Boba Fett angle of this, if they actually do follow up on that, because one, if nobody else knows, like if for some reason none of these other Imperial officers know that there's another unaltered clone out there, Nala Say knows. Like, Uh, of course she knows. Like, like she knows, but obviously she's you know actively working against them, so she's not going to give that information up willingly. And two, if they do follow that storyline and they're like, okay, well, we got to go try to track down Boba Fett too because we need a plan B in case we can't get Omega. And they do, they do chase that down. Like, why would Boba Fett ever fucking work for them again? <laughs> like, why would he? Why would he just be like, right. oh yeah, you want me to come onto the Star Destroyer so you can tell me to hunt so down? So it's like they almost like, just sure. have to turn a blind eye to the Boba Fett yeah. thing. I think like it just you are right. It, it, it'd be weird to introduce it to where hey, Boba Fett could literally give our Emperor what he wants, but now we're just going to keep using him as a low level bounty hunter to track down yeah. Han Solo in trash dumps. Yeah. So I don't know if there's just like some selective <laughs> storytelling that has to be told around Boba Bro, Fett it's now. Star Wars. Or... Of course they're select. I mean, <laughs> most of the Star Wars narrative is selective because it's all been told out of order. You know, I mean, that, that's yeah. why we're that's why we're talking about Project Necromancer, something that was initially kicked off in the Rise of Skywalker. Like it, yeah, this, this is where we're at. But anyways. It, it does sound like you figured out the necromancer and that, that makes me happy. I, I wasn't worried, but y- you never know. Like some people, <laughs> I just, I don't know what they watch. It's like, that's it. Omega's going to be like Ray's mom. And it's like, no, that's already established. Like the, her name's Miriam or something. And her dad, Dathan was a, a shitty strand cast because Omega's blood was never fully secured so they could perfect the process. And that, that's that's where we're at. It, it, it's great. Project Necromancer has been fully realized and explained at this point in time. And a lorehound like myself, I'm happy. Uh, it, it, now we just need to see kind of the last part of it, and that's Tantus getting blown up. So we know now why the Empire could never, ever perfect it, even though they had Omega literally two steps away from the blood vials to to kick things off speaking of blood vials man 
and it kind of plays into my last top moment here, but uh, the escape of Omega and Crosshair. But I fucking loved how they used that vile motif, the centrifuge, to to yeah. add the tension, to just ramp yeah. it up. Like every time it would be like, beep, you're like, oh shit, it's getting closer and closer and closer to Omega's vial. And when that hits, all hell is going to broke loose or break loose. I just, I really like that choice to yeah. use that, that, you know, a lab equipment to add to the anxiety of the episode. But like I said, to kind of round out the top moment here of episode three, I, I really enjoyed their escape. Like I said, it, it, it built upon their relationship. Clearly they're, they're working together much better now. And surprisingly, Omega is the squad leader and Crosshair is allowing that and embracing it. I mean, so much so, when they get outside and she's like, I'm sorry, man, I really thought this would work out. He's like, dude, you got us this far. Like, let's go. We're not we're not going to quit now. Plan 72. You got to like when they they break out random Clone Force 99 plans yeah. as well. Um, I, I just I, I like the escape. I like their dynamic working together. And then obviously seeing the two of them execute a clone uh, Clone Force 99 plan was also a thing of beauty. I mean, it was like very precise and how yeah. they went about that mission with Omega first taking control of the ship, clearing the ground, then Crosshair getting up there so she could drop back down and fight and get uh, the little uh, Batcher dog up there. Uh, it was just, it was a fun little action sequence. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed that. It just shows too that like, even though those two had never really, you know, collaborated, worked together in a significant way before he... Uh, you know, kind of broke off and, and, and betrayed the batch, like they still fall into a rhythm, you know, they, like it, it was like, you know, this, you know, this, all right, cool. Plan 72, let's go. And they both just, they were able to execute it together very easily. Um, and yeah, I mean, it just goes to show how close knit this, this bad batch is just purely based off of, you know, like what, you know, the, the effort that tech put in, like, like Omega said, you know, like tech made sure that I knew all of yep. them. So, um, you know, it just goes to show how close knit of a group that our was only that, tech mentioned, by the way. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. So far the only tech mentioned, which was a, a bit surprising. I was expecting I mean, to see. Wrecker kind of hinted at it when he's like, Hey Hunter, should we really go on this mission without backup? You know what happened the last time we all didn't make it out. So, I mean, yeah. You kind of had that, but but um, Crosshair kind of Crosshair and Omega specifically reference the guy. And, and there's another thing we'll talk about with tech that popped up in the the episode here. All right. Let's go okay. through some of the uh, eggs and references. Eggs I'm going to use extremely loosely, loosely because there wasn't many at all. Uh, in fact, there was really only one egg and it's so recent it's hard to even call it an egg, but we'll, we'll still go through it. Um, you know, you've heard us talking about it, but. I, I'm, I'm embracing the new way to say midichlorians. M-count. 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 I loved it. As soon, yeah. as, they, as, soon as I saw that pop up on the closed cache, I was like, oh, yeah, they're, they're talking about midichlorians. It's, it's so clear. Mm -hmm. uh, so we got the M-count, a clear reference to midichlorians. You heard Nick talk about them earlier. They went through them multiple times, but we had those Naboo-style ray shields protecting the Necromancer lab. Even got the same sounds as we heard uh, from when Obi-Wan Kenobi was trying to uh, avenge his fallen master at the hands of Darth Maul. And 
I just talked about the little beast. Got to find my screen. But you got to appreciate that Omega found a new friend and named her Batcher, right? Batcher. <laughs> Bad Batch. Batcher the dog. Yep. Makes complete yep. sense. Um, yeah. And Dude, I, like just one quick thing. Go ahead. If that dog died, I would have lost it. Like that's yeah, I, I know you're, you're a big dog guy. So I would have lost it. And then like when they all, when they let them all out, I was like, Oh no, are they going to have to kill these dogs? But they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I, I, I was like, you know what? Kill as many fucking humans as you want to. Don't fuck with the dogs. Yeah, leave the lurk of hounds <laughs> safe, even though they're kind of yeah. creepy. Uh, the other one I wanted to bring up for, for some reason, I can't find the screen. Not that it, that it matters since we are mostly a podcast, uh, but the other little reference there, Omega built built herself a Tuca doll, just like Wrecker's Lula that he gave her. And of course, they made sure to focus on Lula and the empty hovel that Omega used to fill in the Marauder in um, episode two there. Yeah. So that- and what I will say on that note, while we're while we touched on this, is I like how they used that as a tool to show that Emery is soft like had softened towards Omega. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm glad you brought Emery up cause I was, I was kind of starting to hate her a little bit. Like I don't, she's, I can't figure out her angle. It's almost like she has her own order 88 or something going on the where she just cannot turn a, she cannot go against hemlock. Like she can't go against whatever mission was given to her as a doctor. But like you are saying, you're spot on. I, I loved how, initially they they shook omega down no personal items bullshit and mm-hmm. then you know after she got yelled at for letting the dog out and hemlock was like now we need to start taking some of her rights away emery came in at night and was like here you go like kind of a, a peace offering so yeah, yeah emery you know she may end up being the biggest mystery of this season beyond the Saj ventures because they're doing a great job, Nick, at disguising her true intentions. Like I, I, yeah. she feels like she's a hundred percent. Yep. I'll do whatever you fucking tell me to achieve this goal of project necromancer. Yeah. And it's, I think that like this first little seed that was planted with like her bringing the, you know, the doll in and everything like that. I think that'll be like, hopefully that turns into like a, like a progression over the season where it's like, okay, like she's really starting, like Emery is really starting to like act on her own now. And like, she's really starting to see that, like maybe there's a different way that I can go about my life. That's not just, you know, okay. So so you you think it's going to be a, a, like a learning change and not, she has some long game plan. Cause I can't figure it out either. Yeah. It's, it almost seems like, it is more of a slow realization, like, not necessarily like crosshair. Yeah. Like kind of like crosshair, not necessarily like a learning process, but almost like a slow realization that there is, there is something else out there for her. You know, like she is a clone just like Omega was. And like, she sees that like, well, one, she sees like the value in what Omega is so she sees, you know, like the, the relationship that could be built between her and Omega. And that's why she's starting to soften a little bit there. But I think she also sees that like, 
she may start to, to see the way of like, okay, I'm like, I'm experimenting on my own people. Like all of the things that I'm doing now are not only affecting <laughs> yeah, them, they're going to affect me. Like you think that resonate by now after she, you know, stabbing crosshair in the neck with prods and whatnot last season. I just yeah. like, I can't. And I think that's why I love the character. It's just like, she's so blindly doing horrific things and, and knows they're pretty horrific Yet she can't help herself. Like I mean, she didn't have to tell Hemlock that Omega is the answer. She didn't yeah, have to, yeah. but she ran to like, hey, look, I don't know if that was her like, oh, I know I can save her from getting shot down. So I'll kind of expose this. It's just I don't know. I'm digging the character. I I'm still think there's going to be a, a shocking 180 with Emery before the season ends. Like she is, she's not going to just stick to this path of darkness and evil. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you there that there is, there's a path to righteousness for, for Emery if she chooses to take it for sure. I, I, I do think that there can be redemption, even if it is like redemption in death or redemption in something, you know, something other than just like a, like a full switch to, the light side working for the rebellion now, because I think like a lot of this, a lot of the times where we're like, Oh yeah, they're going to like switch over and work for the rebellion. Like when people come out of situations like this, where they're like forced into service by another, like, you know, by the Nazis or something like that, their, their plan is not to be like, I'm going to get out of here and then I'm going to go work for the good guys. Like their plan is, I just want to live my life. Like I don't want to work for somebody else. That's why like, you know, if clones come out of, uh, of this show alive, they're not going to go work for the rebellion. They're going to want to just like live a life that is not war all the time. So I am interested to see what her arc is because I do think that it would be, it would make sense for her to be, the one to really bring Tantus down from the inside, yes. either her or Nala say, but Nala say is already like, they, they're like, put her in the fucking cell. Like they've already tracked her down. So yeah, it's, I don't know because I think it was in, I don't know, maybe episode one or, or three, but she's talking to Omega and Omega's like, how come I never saw you on Camino? And she's like, well, I was somewhere else. And I believe she said she's almost always been with Hemlock and it, it almost yeah. sounded like, she reveres him as a, I don't want to say a savior, but, but very like a, a, a mentor, someone that has aided her, someone that has enhanced her life, almost like she owes yeah. him something. And I think that like one thing that we haven't talked about too much with, with Emery is like, well, why is she doing this? Why? But like she is wearing one of those devices around her head that, could pro- that is probably a control device. The only reason like, I, I thought that too, Nick, but I'm pretty sure last season we saw other non-clone scientists wearing the same deal. So yeah, and the, it's almost like, like their lab goggles, but like you're saying, maybe, maybe there is something controlling in there. Yeah. I mean, that, like I look at that and I see the same thing that like, or a similar device that was on that was put on echo. Like we obviously know that Lobot had a, a very similar device that was on his head in ESB and, and that gave Lando more or less direct control over Lobot. Um, so I wonder if there is some mechanism of control that is built into that little, uh, yeah, that mean, little headband. She could very well have a chip too. And, and Hemlock's yeah, been yeah. tweaking the shit out of that mofo, but I don't know. I, like I said, I dig her. 
can't wait to see what the what the twist is with this one because there, there's no way she's just staying as this yes sir yes ma'am type for hemlock in the empire just no way yeah I agree uh, with that. okay what else we got here so moving into episode two to kick things off we get some callbacks to season one when we see roland durand if you remember he actually got that horn chopped off uh, thanks to the bad batch and some bad deals with the pikes so that was a nice callback uh, but we finally got to meet his mom who was mentioned in season one of bad batch but more importantly she was voiced by angelica houston uh, when I was here and I was like, I know I've heard this voice before. And sure enough, it was someone familiar in Angelica Houston. Or, or Tisha Adams. There you go. Yeah, I mean, who don't know. She, uh, <laughs> yeah, for you younger people, she was quite the looker in her time. She's, you know, an older lady now. But uh, Nick, Nick, that's probably your best bet to, to go to for some uh, Angelica Houston is right to the Adams, Adams family fan. movies from the 90s. Yeah. Uh, what else we had here? Oh, speaking of our buddy, where is it? Um, but you know, we were kind of talking about how tech was just, he was kind of left out there, not really mentioned much, but if you looked closely when Hunter was kind of playing around with a gadget at his workstation up there on the side, our techs smashed yeah. goggles. So goggles, please, yeah. please stay dead. My friend. Rest, mm -hmm. rest in power. Do not be resurrected. So we got text glasses. Our buddy Wrecker gave us a rancid Joe Taz line. And Joe Taz, Nick, were actually these big blue looking ogre beasts from Jedi Fallen Order. I believe they were enemy types on Zepho. Okay, so, yeah. Nice little I, I reference there. Uh, the young clones dropped a base Delta Zero call sign. Which is actually was mentioned in Rebels and in my reading today. Apparently, it's also in Legends. But what base Delta Zero actually means in the Empire is we're going to glass the planet. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna explode it. <laughs> All life gone. So I, I, I kind of dug that. We already talked about uh, Mox being voiced by Daniel Logan, aka Young Boba Fett, aka holding my dad's helmet with no head in it guy mm -hmm. so we don't need to go through that uh and and really the last kind of egg reference thing and we've hammered it like we nailed it we told you exactly what you need to know but project necromancer it, you know it we got the reference we got to see what it is we got to see the lab it, it's quite clear now what we're doing even though nick and i told you what project necromancer was about this time last year when it was first uh, announced in The Mandalorian. I know some of you wanted to take it this way and that. When If you just break it down, necromancer, essentially dark spirit being resurrected. Yeah, I mean, it just made too much sense. But it's cool that we have like some concrete lore around it now. We, we've got Jedi literally locked up in stasis tubes that are being used as uh, specimens to inject into clone cast clone bodies and yes they're using all the old clones just to see if their genetic makeup can jive and clearly it cannot so maybe you shouldn't have blown up the Kaminoans or maybe you should have just since you're an empire that steals everything just pay the man right if they would have just paid Lama Su and gave him the resources for uh, more clones it's done yeah like yeah it's over I mean you would have 
5,000 Palpatines. You could have as many as you want. <laughs> he wouldn't even need to clone himself. If you just had clone stormtroopers, yeah. they would kick the shit out of the Rebel Alliance. Yeah. Like, I mean, look what you had Omega loosely trained by her brothers on the run and Crosshair, a dude that has Parkinson's disease now. They took they escaped Tantus. Yeah. And, and took out like a, you know, a small garrison en route. Two of them. Yeah. Two, two. That's it. Yeah. I mean, they definitely fucked up by, by destroying Just that. Just being clone. cheap. No, it was all over <laughs> money, man. Like Tarkin's like, yeah. I don't want to pay. It's unbelievable. It's like yeah. the empire that you Palpatine, come on, bro. What were you letting these people do? You, you are the emperor of the galaxy. And you, you like, he controls the flow of money. No, like, that's what I mean, dude. Like, what, like, are, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean you can't spend money? You have all of the money. I, yeah, I am the emperor. Do it. Yeah. Okay. Like, thank you. But it's hey, just, yeah. You know, <sighs> what can you do? I guess you know every every organization has to deal with a budget at some point in time. It's just odd that the empire would make that choice. Hey, let, let's get a bunch you know, of dopey conscripts instead of Mandalorian clone warriors that are bred in a fucking tube to kill. Yeah. You know what I just realized too is like there's there's way too much of a connection now between Palpatine and Sauron that like Sauron gets killed. They're the same character at this point. Nick. Yeah. At this point they are <laughs> like literally the same thing. Like Sauron gets killed at the end of second age he, right, so that, that's Return of the is, Jedi. So Return of the Jedi is, is Jedi. the big fight at the end of the Second Age where all the yeah, elves and men got together and, yep. and took him out. The final battle. So he gets killed. His essence floats. He doesn't die, die. His essence is still around. His essence reforms itself as what? The Necromancer at Dolgaldor. And then uh, after he is banished from Dolgaldor... He's he goes off to to uh, uh, Mordor and that's where the eye is is reborn. Obviously, he's not an eye in the books. I know that. But like in in movie world, he becomes the eye. So it's the same fucking thing that happens to Palpatine. Yeah. Palpatine's at like, oh, my God. It's so weird. Project Necromancer. Sauron is I, I the mean, Necromancer in Dol Guldur. George, <laughs> like, George borrows from the greats. Although I, yeah. I think a lot of this isn't necessarily George's isn't story. George. So. Yeah. So. <laughs> This is this is uh, Simon Kinberg and I, like right. whoever else like you know all of the people who are working on the TV show and then obviously the people you know JJ and Chris Terrio who worked on on Tross like that you know <laughs> like, Bat has a comment here he's right the the Empire they are so cheap they hired contractors to build Death Star so that is you know true. I mean it's like come on <laughs> they use what Geonosian slaves essentially. To, to get it going and, and prisoners. It, they really are. It's just the, the empire failed because they're cheap fucks. They're, they're cheapskates, dude. Like they literally even like going back to the Thrawn stuff where it was like, well, we can't build the cool TIE fighters and the Death Star. We can only pick one. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like what hey. do you mean you can't do both of them? Well, you <laughs> like, know, Darth Vader hasn't ransacked enough planets this month, so we didn't meet yeah. budget. We got to make a few cutbacks. Yeah, it, it, when you look at all of this stuff, it's like, man, if they just would have just done both or like did weren't it is kind of weird. I, I, <laughs> I know we're we're getting a little too real life with science fiction, but, <laughs> but you have to wonder. I mean, the Empire would go to planets and rape the entire planet. 
rape yeah, it. Literally rape, strip mine yeah, it. Rape for the all people, of its resources. rape the resources, everything. I mean, look look at look at the start of Andor. That that fucking planet yeah. is a wasteland because the the Empire gutted it for the resources. Yeah. But no, I, we 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 need to maintain a balanced budget. It's like what yeah. the fuck? It's like, look, we're an empire here. We're not trying to fuck up the economy for everybody. <laughs> like we're we're just trying to take control yeah, of dude. all the planets. She's he, she's like the Fed, man. He's like, hey, I got we got to raise interest rates again so we can avoid a recession, even though we steal everything. <laughs> yeah, it just. The, the economic angle of this, when you look at it from that lens, just doesn't seem to make any odd, sense. Man. But you know what? It's okay. Maybe he should have <laughs> kept the banking clan intact and yeah, instead of taking those. them out on Mustafar because uh, I think he needed someone to just let him know, hey, hey, Sheev, by the way, you own the galaxy. So yeah, just uh, you, need you need more money? Just go rob another planet. Like, what, what are we talking yeah. about? Just print more credits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. That was a good one, Nick. All right. Um, I got a few ha's I got to get through, but I think we answered most of them. Nalase almost says, but we got it. Jedi in the lockdown room. Yes. Okay. Here's one. Why do you think Scorch is the only motherfucker allowed to still have armor markings? Right. Yeah. Right. Like, what, what's that all about? Is that just fan service? Probably, okay. probably. I mean, because if you look at all of the, yeah, I mean, he's the only he's one. The only. Every Republic <laughs> Commando, the they're all in their clean whites. I don't know yeah. if it's because he's Hemlock's personal Commando, but for some reason, Scorch is able to keep his gray and yellow. Oh well, I wanted to see what you thought about that. Omega. Yeah, I mean, reason-wise, there's there's really no reason. <laughs> I yeah, don't know why. Dumb. And we talked about Hemlock being the base for Snoke, and that's just no way. I mean, listen, yeah. I, I get it. He looks like Andy Serkis and all this fun stuff, but Andy Serkis wasn't used to model Snoke's fucking head. He was a voice, right? Yeah, like, and, like, I just... I also don't see, like, regardless of what you say, like, Snoke Snoke was big, and Hemlock is not. <laughs> like, yeah, Snoke was, like, seven feet you. tall. Thank you. Like, you know, so. I, like, I, that, that's why I love having you here. It's because I know I, I never have to worry about you coming on the show and saying really stupid <laughs> shit. Like, hey, <laughs> Omega's Ray's mom. It's like, no, no. like, what, what, what no. are we talking about? All right. And look, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just like, I, I guess it's a lot of the shit that, like, if you're not, like, really paying attention or if, like, if you're not, like, engrossed in this stuff, it is really hard to be confused by everything that's going on here. Like, yeah, but Nick, we're, I'm talking about people that spend their yeah. time on Reddit, Star Wars forums. Th those are people yeah. that may even be beyond you and me. Yeah, so they're diehards. Like they're they're even more diehard than me. Like I, I'm fucking diehard. Like I, I eat, sleep, breathe, shit Star Wars. But you're never gonna catch me posting on Star Wars forums. Yeah, no, that's a that's a so like these there. are I mean these are engaged fans and they're just like what what they, what the fuck are you guys watching, man? Like what? they should know, or maybe they're watching too many uh, Star uh, Wars theory Mike Zero Mike Zero videos that their brain doesn't work anymore. Like I don't know. <laughs> like, oh man, who knows? funny stuff. But hey, there you go. That's our SWTS patented breakdown, full breakdown that is of a Star Wars new show bad batch season three the premiere all three episodes great stuff um next week do we 
Where, what thread do you think that episode focuses on? Do we shift back to Wrecker and Hunter since we seem to be in every other at this point in time? Yeah, I feel like episode four is probably going to do a bit of a, like a split narrative. Okay. Because I feel like there's too much immediacy to follow up with what happened at the uh, end. There. With a, yeah, like with Omega and with uh, Crosshair as they escape, that like you can't take a full episode off from them. Just because like they're actively being pursued, their ship is damaged, barely made it out. Like I'm sure that we're we may pick up on that thread immediately, and then kind of jump back to uh, you know Wrecker and Hunter in their like where they are now, picking up from from yeah. you know that that thread. So I I do think that we may be in a bit of a split narrative, and and then probably ignore tantus for yeah uh, yeah i I agree like let that that tire fire burn for an episode or so yeah i i would not be surprised if episode four we 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 get to go to paboo that yeah they're they're already there because we know they're going there to drop off the the cadets yeah. Um, so I, I could see them being on paboo still trying to figure out the exact location and i'm with you i do hope we split the narrative a bit and and we do touch base with crosshair and Omega. Cause yeah. like you said, it just it, it, too important to kind of follow up and see what happened. I mean, it, it, it was almost a cliffhanger ending. Like they, they get away yeah. and then what's next. So Here, here's a question I have for you. And I don't want to derail us too much. So these clones are still kids. When were they created? Because if we're taking it as, fucking Kamita was destroyed what a year or two ago like yeah two years ago yeah Nick they probably were were the last batch to come out like last year the clone war because you know they age from zero to ten I believe pretty quickly yeah like before they even leave the Kamino facility they they age up that much so that's what I was trying to figure out it's like okay if there's two years between when Camino was destroyed and now like does that age progression match where those kids should be because those those clones age pretty fucking fast right. up to a point and then it yeah I, it I, doesn't. I remember in season one when you know the show was taking place on Camino there there were cadets so I'm just assuming yeah. those were the ones we saw they they, they moved them off Camino yeah. like they said and just started fucking them up and doing tests and whatnot um yeah, so that that was just my only thought. There was like, I wonder, like, when that that had to be the last batch of oh, yeah, clones yeah. that were yep. created. That that's where I, the empire's like, nah, we can't afford any more of these shits. Even though we have three teen boys staying alive in a cave on a planet that eats people. Yeah, exactly. Hey, like, you hello. don't want soldiers like that. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, they're, they're making weapons out of sticks and gears, and like I said, lure the flies. But they were surviving. Yeah. They made it. They made it. They made it. All right. Sure. So uh, yeah, I think I, I'm, I'll go with you next week. Let's do the split narrative. We pick up with Hunter and Wrecker on Pabu as they plan their next move, and we kind of get to see where Crosshair and Omega end up. If we do go to Tantus, I could see it being late and we potentially get a a, a call, a hollow call, a hollow chat to a bounty hunter from Hemlock, maybe something like that. Yeah. Or they like send out the like the super clone or, you know, that that like mystery character, the true believer. Like yeah, he gets exactly. dispatched. Exactly. Like 
Okay, well, uh, that takes care of our Bad Batch deep dive. Ben Rye bringing up Mike Zero. Yeah, I know you're, you're somewhat new here, but Mike Zero is someone you should never go to if you actually want to listen to real Star Wars talk. Actual information. Right, yeah, he's, he's a, an expert at making up bullshit and clickbait and somehow has a huge following because of it. Uh, most of the people that say they love Star Wars but actually hate it deep down, that's who goes to Mike Zero. Um, no, Bat, you're right. I, I think Fennec gets called, but I, I, I don't think she's going to turn her in. I, I, I don't know. I feel like their, their past together might... Uh, might benefit Omega if Fennec gets called into the fray, but you never know. Money, money moves these type of people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We we know Cad's confirmed. We know Fennec's confirmed. So uh, we're just hoping Boba Fett makes an appearance. All right. Yeah. Well, Nick, it's time to move into this week's fan segment. It just it feels like now we're we're going to start with if they have any questions for us, then we'll do their question, and then we'll obviously get into the top five but as we always do we dedicate our last segment of every weekly show to our fans via the ask us a question or a question mm-hmm. we ask to you uh, i'm gonna have to do something different with the question of the week i don't know if i'm missing the times or what or you know obviously people probably can't watch bad batch on a wednesday but uh the post once again nick went to about 80 accounts saw it yeah so only our super fans in bat and tones made a comment which kind of bums me out but anyways yeah, let me get the screens up here it's just uh it's harder to answer because right. well obviously we're doing the show now on on show day so and and as you saw from me being late uh people may not have time to watch it before we we go live and yeah. And, hey. and stuff like that. Yeah, well, so, even last week's was like, what, what, what's a prediction for Bad Batch? And no one saw that post either. So I, I just, yes. it's either the Bad Batch funk like we talked about or Instagram for yeah. us is, is pretty much toast. Yeah. Maybe, maybe try dropping a, like a, a GIF version on TikTok and go. see if we can get I'll, some stuff I'll start there. doing dances or something. Although yeah. I now, this is like how fucked up social media trends are. The word is now it's no longer vertical, especially on TikTok. Now they, they want Nick, they want straight horizontals that are like 10 minutes long <laughs> it's like oh, we're going I, I, we're going back to youtube videos now yeah i, I did see it's that. like come on oh, but gosh. if the algo is going to promote it i should just upload 10 minutes of my review for today and see what happens you never know I, I tried doing shorts i'm sure they went nowhere all right so nick we did get one question this week coming from a diehard we appreciate you diehards out there like the nova toymations the tones the bats the johnnies the jod's whoever else is in the live stream right now, the leagues. Uh, but Nova asking us, is Chatter on Book of Boba S2 dead? If so, do you think we'll next see him in Thrawn movie? Um, yes. Chatter on Book of Boba is definitely dead. I haven't seen any heat on that. Haven't gotten anything from making Star Wars on that. I actually think we will see Boba Fett in Mandalorian and Grogu. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's my thought on it as well. I I don't think another season of of book is coming. I I do think that with the shifts that have happened at Disney and Lucasfilm in terms of like how they're treating content, that Book of Boba Fett season two is just not going to happen. Um, I mean, I one 
performance wise, it was kind of like in the middle of the pack, like it didn't blow viewership out of the water. And then I think that the reviews around it were kind of in the middle as well. Um, and two, I just don't know if you need another solo season to push forward Boba Fett's narrative. I think that you can use him strategically in Mandalorian properties. Like you were saying, Matt, like having him in the movie, he wanted to get back to Merkin, right? I mean, he said at the end of, of book of Boba, like, Hey, Fennec, this, this daimyo shit sucks. Let's go kill stuff. Yeah. Like he's, he is 100% ready to like get back on the fucking war path again. So I, I do think that that would probably be better served in uh, like the large scale conflicts that are to come. So like utilizing him in uh, Mandalorian and Grogu movie, utilizing him in narrative that is around Thrawn's return to the known galaxy as a, you know, like obviously he would be fighting on the side of, of good at this yeah, point, I, I, I would I imagine. Mean, he, he could, he'll probably be in both. I just think Mandalorian and Grogu makes a ton of sense. They're bros. Yeah. They have a they have a history now. They have backstory. They kind of always owe each other, or they're always open to help each other. So why not call up Boba and the Slave One on one of your adventures for the New Republic, or just go check in, see what's going on? It just it makes too much sense to me. All right, thank you, Nova, for that. Now moving into our question of the week. Like I said, we do this every week. These days, I'll probably be throwing them up on Tuesdays, maybe Wednesdays. You never know. But you're going to find them on Star Wars Time Dacho on Instagram. You just have to somehow find it, which usually requires you to follow us, like some of our content, and potentially turn on notifications for new posts. All right. Indeed. Here we go. What was your favorite or least favorite part from the Bad Batch season three premiere? That's pretty much going to be the question moving forward. What do you, what'd you like about this week's Bad Batch? So, so it's probably going to be a light segment, which is fine for Nick and I. So go ahead, buddy. What do we got? Yeah. All right. Tones, one, one, three, eight. Everybody knows Tones in here, or you should. Oh, real uh, quick. Having, yes. Kudos to Team SWTS, at least the Discorders. Us motherfuckers, we raised Tone and his son, you know, Tone's mother passed away mm-hmm. and yeah. his son kicked off kind of like a, a British GoFundMe for the hospice that took care of her. Yep. And, you know, Tone's, he, he, he's like, hey, what are you guys? This is the link. Check it out. These motherfuckers, these low life Star Wars time mm-hmm. show fans, we just us from Discord raised four hundred dollars. Yeah, I, I donated as well the other day. I think Tones may have posted something on his Instagram, and I saw it, so I, I tossed him. Hey, look, uh, I'm just I am I am proud of Team yeah. SWTS because I, I figure yeah. you're all just you know pieces of shit like me, and uh, you wouldn't do anything like that. And you know, it's not like a lot of channels they'll jump on this type of stuff, fundraisers. We we didn't make a big deal out of it, but just in our little Discord, which isn't that active we we still generated that that amount of cash for brother tone so thank you to all of you motherfuckers out there you fandos that 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 kind of touched me a little bit I, I it's like the like the grinch i was like oh shit there's the heart for a second yeah no i mean that's it's amazing that we have people in the community oh yeah dude that, like to, i said it, it shocks me <laughs> yeah so appreciate that for all of you uh, out there who did donate um, I, and if you are interested in donating, 
the the link that Tone shared is still in, in our Discord, so you can join the Discord. We need him to wear a GoPro, though, because he's going to go jump out of a fucking plane <laughs> yeah, he's, after he's, this. So. <laughs> I was like, he's going skydiving. Like, he's going skydiving yeah. as, a, as a part of the... Of, of Let's the, go, uh, Tones. We want, we want footage. We want yeah, early yeah. access, brother. Yeah. All yeah. right. Sorry, Nick. Go ahead. Read... read boot. Yes, Tone says, he says, having the batch back is so good. Loved all three episodes, but having Danny Logan voicing the elder clone Mox in episode two was a great move. Agreed. Uh, yeah, 100%. Uh, 2797 Studios, Bat, he says, there was a lot to like in the first three. My favorite part had to be the Crosshair and Omega escaping together. Uh, can't wait to see where this all goes. And that's it. And that's it. Yeah, see uh, how much now. more fun you could have if you leave a comment. So next week, if you're just hearing this for the first time, write yourself a little reminder. Look on Tuesday, Wednesday, Star Wars Time dot show on Instagram to find the prompt, either in the stories, definitely in the profile grid. And then, hey, you have up until we go live That's right. to drop your comments in. So if it's uh, if you feel like, oh, no, I'm too late and we haven't started yet, that, go ahead and drop your That's usually why in. we're late to start the shows, because I'm, I'm still <laughs> trying to see if anyone wants to leave an answer. Yeah, so, um, yes, good stuff there. Thank you, Tones and Bat, for your... Uh, comments. Hopefully uh, everybody will be pleased with Bad Batch moving forward and we can get some more commentary on these posts. So uh, good stuff there. Uh, but now we're going to move into our next part of the fan segment. That is the top five Star Wars fan artist features of the week that is curated through our Instagram account. So if you are an Instagram Star Wars artist or you know anybody who is, uh, you should instruct those people to one, Follow at StarWarsTime.show on Instagram and two, add tag at StarWarsTime.show and all of their Instagram Star Wars posts to make sure that you fall into the running to get picked for the top five Star Wars fan artist features of the week. That's how I pick them. I pick them from our tagged photos. But if you want to get involved, uh, you can also get involved through Matt's weekly or Matt's daily shares matt uh, except for wednesday I, I can tell you right now people wednesday i am no longer. almost on hour 14 of being at the desk uh so yeah the wednesday features are probably gonna die as i as i cover bad batch this season you never know i yeah. mean today was a triple episode that's a fucking beast of, of a, a thing huge, to work through to process yeah. but maybe next week because we'll be down to one episode uh, yeah. But he, yeah, he's not kidding. You, you, you got to tickle both our taints. I'm hashtag Star Wars Time Show and ad tag. He is ad tag only. So if you want to right. show up on the show, add that tag. Real quick, Nick, yeah. we got to read this comment from our boy Devin Doty, one of our hammers, one of our wrenchers. Oh, yes. The best part of the Bad Batch is when SWTS covers the Bad Batch. And that's why yeah, I mean, he is a lieutenant, my friends. We tell you everything that happened and will happen. Exactly. We're never wrong on this nope. show. Devin knows. Batting a thousand. Knows Batting a thousand since 2018. <laughs> never been wrong. Ever. Uh, and we still have Just like my wrong. take on Luke Skywalker never showing up in live action Star Wars TV shows. That was 100% One of my correct. best. <laughs> All right, Nick, who do we got? All right, so to kick off this week in the top five, it is a clicky. Right. It's a clicky one. I got him pulled and up. This is, We're good. This is at Brian's Toy Chest. Brian's underscore Toy Chest, and he gives us an amazing look at Master Kenobi, Obi Wan Kenobi, Hot Toys One Six Scale, and and really like the figure itself looks awesome, of course. 
but the the post processing the 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 after effects that Brian yeah. added to this shot is amazing. The shadowing uh, used in the background, the highlight color across the eyes, the incredible work on the lightsaber effects. Yeah, dude. I mean, uh, look at the really dust particles being highlighted from the the lightsaber glow. Yeah, I mean, just absolutely incredible work in you know the after effects of this shot, just really brings it to life and captures the essence of, of Kenobi, especially a Kenobi that is a little bit more wary. Um, so yeah, I mean, I saw the shot. Yeah, no, like, oh, I that just looks like you and it's kind of glad you, you, you found this cause, uh, Brian's underscore toy chest. They are a, a new kind of a new follower of ours, a new user of the tags, if you will. So I, I just started seeing Brian's work pop up maybe a week or two ago and clearly, it, it resonated with you as well. But I, I'm a fan of Brian, obviously, because of the the one six scale photography, but predominantly portrait work. And, and there's some great portraits on this page that I'm scrolling through right now. I, I, I think he does a great job on post with with lighting in particular. Yeah. So, yeah, Brian's underscore toy chest, a new user of a hashtag Star Wars time show. And a first time top five. So there out. you go. That's what happens. See, Add tag. just got to do, Wars. you got to do the work. You got to do the work. All right. Good stuff. Next up is one of our favorites. Obviously, He's this returned, is man. Did you, when, when I saw this, when I saw them pop back up, I'm like, shit, that's, they have been gone for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I did note. I mean, like, obviously Robert is incredible at this craft and it's hard for me when he's in the feet to not feature yeah, him. Like, so I, I guaranteed, do, Oh, he's back. Here you yeah, go. Like I, I, I do make a concerted effort that after I feature him in one week, I try to not yeah, take, take a week off. Yeah. Take at least a week. Um, but yeah, it has, it's been a while since we saw anything from, from 97 and he comes back with a banger of course. And the banger is, uh, the, uh, Mando, Din and Grogu killing some pikes. And, you know, that's always a favorite of ours is when we get to see dad and son in action. And that's exactly what's going on here. A very dynamic shot from, from 97 parsecs yeah. photography, uh, Mando and, uh, Grogu surrounded by, uh, enemies. And then they're just taking them all out. So. Yeah, it is. Big I fan. mean, it's, it's like I said, I didn't, quite realize because I, I mean i look at this shit every day i'm looking at people's star wars art so I, I see a lot of it more than probably everyone that listens to the show that does toy photography it's ridiculous but when you pop back i'm like shit that's right 97 has been kind of taking a break but it is as nick said it, it's as soon as you see it in the feed you instantly know where the work is coming from who did the shot who set these things up and apparently I can't know. That's it. This looks like the new black series, but it kind of doesn't. Uh, what I'm trying to say here, Nick, there's a new Mandalorian figure one, uh, one twelve scale going around that everyone is calling okay. the ultimate from Hasbro. It's, <laughs> it's based on the, his Glavis appearance from book of Boba Fett. And I can't tell if that's what 97 is using or if this is Mayfex. in the end, it doesn't matter. It's a good looking shot. Check them out on Instagram, 97 underscore parsecs underscore photography. There we go. Good stuff. Next up, my father, Django. And uh, my father, Django, is going to bring us back to the Ahsoka time. He's bringing us back to a better time <laughs> when our, our, our good friend, uh, Balin Skull, a.k.a. Ray Stevenson, was still with us. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, this is a very poignant shot of, of Balin uh, could be where exactly where we left him off standing on a mountaintop, looking off into the distance, his orange lightsaber ignited at his side. And I imagine that he's just thinking about the, uh, the quest ahead to get him to the monastery uh, on Peridia. And it's just a, it's just a fantastic shot. And it really does capture that, that essence of, of Balin really well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great little stoic looking portrait there. I also, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I, I like that orange, orange effect there. Well, job well done on, on the orange. You, you can clearly tell it's orange, not red. You got the hood up. Sometimes getting hoods up on these little dicks is not as easy as, as you would <laughs> think. So I, I got to give my father Django credit on that. Um, just good looking, natural light outdoor shot where it all started for me. I'll always appreciate the the outdoor photographers. So check them out at my father Django on Instagram. 100%. All right. Next up, we have at Revens underscore toy picks. And Revens Toy Picks is giving us an awesome shot of our girl Sabine Wren, lightsaber ignited, running through a field of explosions. I mean, like, honestly, people are getting really good at emulating the Bokeh style of Jared, of Sir Dor. Well, it's because he's he's like a he's, he's a master that teaches, Nick. Yeah, I mean, he every week he's putting yeah. out content to educate. And it's whenever I see shots like this, I, I, I really do think to myself, I'm like, they've been watching Jared's videos. They've been watching mm -hmm. Sir Dork on YouTube mm -hmm. and learning how to do this. Mm -hmm. And like these people who have been, you know, following this playbook, you can see the progression of their work. Like you can see, like you can scroll back in their timelines and you can see like where they started and like, you know, what they've learned and everything. Um, but this one in particular, like, uh, just, just really did give me Sir Dork vibes because of the bokeh, because of the posing. Um, and it really is like an awesome dynamic shot of, uh, like Sabine on a battlefield with her, her she, lightsaber. She's ignited. practicing out there on Peridia. Remember she, she got a taste of the force and now she can't put it down. It's very much That's like right. heroin as I've heard from other force <laughs> users. So yeah, yeah, man, it, you, you hit the nail on the head. It is he does. He has like disciples at this point in time and, and I'm happy for our buddy Jared, but uh, we're talking about at Revens underscore toy picks Instagram. Indeed. Killer shot. Well done. Uh, and to close out the top five this week, we have an awesome shot here from at dank dot toys on Instagram. It's a really cool setup. <laughs> <It's awesome>. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, based on the Kenobi series. So what we see here is uh, our good Inquisitor friend right up front, helmet off. This is, yes, we know his head isn't the same shape as it was in Rebels. But guess what? It was still pretty cool. So we get the Inquisitor here walking alongside some some stormtroopers in formation. And then in the background, you can see transport shuttle and two ties taking off. I mean, really what's impressive about this shot is just like, he, he fits so much into this shot and it all works really well. Everything is standing. The posing is good. The, the lighting is good. Uh, and it's just overall, it's just a really well executed shot here by Dank Ferrick Toys. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm with you. It's, I also appreciate the mixed scale going in there. there. I mean, there's no way those ties and the, 
uh, Lambda class shuttle are 112 scale. So they're probably uh, micro galaxy squadron. So super tiny. So it, yeah. it's a great little in-camera effect there. But like you said, just getting all these little dickheads to line up and look like there's an actual body in them and that they're not just posed plastic is is always a difficult challenge. And, and dank Toys has just nailed it on this one. It, it really, I mean, it just, you, you feel like you're watching an Imperial procession of sorts. Um, so job well done at dank toys. Instagram. Indeed. Well done. And that's it. That's the end of the top five. And that's the end of our show for this week. I'm sorry to all of you that I was not able to make the, the opening half of the show. I had work go late and could not get on in time, but I'm glad that I made it in time for the breakdowns and to talk about uh, the, the initial drop of Bad Batch. And I'm excited to see where this season goes, but that's it. That's it for this episode. So Matt, take us home. I just like Nick's new boy. You got some purple lights back there now. I I was in such a rush that usually I turn on my overhead light yeah. when we start, but I do have colored lights in my room that I turn on when I come up here at night. I, I uh, I'm gonna so say I turn this, those on this, to try to give a bit of ambiance. Yeah, this may be the better look in my opinion. I, I dig it. <laughs> it it actually lights pretty well compared to the overhead. And I do have a, uh, I got a new webcam that has a ring light built into it. So I turned the ring light on, on my, on my webcam. So right. that's probably I would, helping. I, I, I mean, what, what was the community think here? But I, I'd say stick with this moving forward. I like, I, yeah, that, that, that can be done. All right. Good. I, I, Cause I've, I've, my light's a little harsh today. I can see it. I am like Casper white. <laughs> <Today's video. laughs> I'm a pretty white guy, but uh, my face is probably blindy. If I take my hat off, I'll definitely blind people. Oh! A plane just crashed. All right, everyone. As Nick said, it's time to go. It, it was probably, you know, I, I always like when Nick is here for the full show, but I'm not going to lie, buddy. We, we probably saved ourselves at least 20 minutes. You know, this is, this is like <laughs> a gift. We're, we're done before 730 or even eight some of these days. So I'll take it. But you know what? We'll be here next week. Maybe we'll start at five. Maybe Nick will be here. Maybe you won't. Maybe I won't be here. You never know. But that is the beauty of the Star Wars Time Show and why we need to tell your friends that aren't fandos yet that they need to come and join the party. So the best way to do that, the way to sell them, or the way to just make it easier for them to follow the Star Wars Time Show on all platforms is to send them over to StarWarsTime.net. That's right. Our home on the internet. I actually threw up, I think, two or three posts over the past seven days. So the site came alive again. But like I said, the most important part about StarWarsTime.net are all the links. You know, if you want to listen, you don't, you don't like looking at our faces or our crappy graphics or our ticker that I haven't changed in two or three podcasts so it has really old news on it, you can listen to us on podcast platforms. Just go to StarWarsTime.net, click on subscribe to podcasts and pick the one that suits you. We got Apple, Google, Spotify, Android, Amazon, Pandora, Blueberry, email, Podchaser, TuneIn, Deezer, RSS, iHeartRadio. Who even knew that half these companies still existed? But if they do, our podcast is on their platform. So don't forget StarWarsTime.net. You can even find the YouTube stuff over there. Just click on it and it'll be in the right sidebar. It will subscribe the channel for you. We know how lazy some of you are. We try to make it as easy as possible. All we ask is that in between our shows, you support our content when you see it. Leave some comments. Share it around. Pop it into a story. 
turn your notifications on for our content because you never know what's going to drop. We try to put something out daily. We're grinding mofos over here. So don't forget, there's always time for Star Wars time. Next week, we'll be back to break down Bad Batch, S3, E4, and whatever else we find interesting for the Star Wars time show community. All right, everyone. I'm going to leave you, as I always do, with some words of encouragement and a Star Wars time show blessing. But if you listen to our show, if you consume our content... The Force will be with you always.